Welcome to episode 131 of the Grip Strip Podcast, the Demolished Equipment and Opportunities edition of the Grip Strip Podcast. My name is Philip Matthew. I'm your host. I'm here with my co-host, Joshua Fine. What's going on, brother? You uh, dried off from Daytona since you ended up going there on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, plenty dry by now, but yeah, I went to Daytona on Saturday. Uh, I mean, it was already raining when I left my house to go there, and I've been to Daytona in the past, <clears throat> excuse me, when I, in the past, in 2015, 2020, when it rained, and, you know, stayed long enough and saw some racing in both of those instances, but then this time, um, it didn't happen, which I'm okay with, but, you know, so was there for a little bit, and then uh, you know, went home. Well, while I was at the track, I bought some merch, bought some Dale Jr. stickers, and um, I I bought a Jeff Gordon shirt. It was actually pretty nice. The uh, Rainbow Warriors from 1994. It was a pretty good shirt, so I I bought that. But um, while I was at the track, but then you know, went home. Uh, actually, made a stop at Bucky's, and then went home, uh, and then you know, saw the race on TV. I could have gone back to the track, but I was like, I felt like sleeping in, so. Uh, stayed home, watched the race on TV, you know, watched the clown show that it was, and you know, here we are. So, um, you know, ready, ready to get into it, and yeah, dried off and everything, and uh, you know, glad to be on for another week. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, you got the Jeff Gordon shirt from the Hendrick trailer, or was it like a side? Uh, it was at like the um, the pit shop or whatever. Like, it's it was one of the official like track stores uh, oh, okay. inside the concourse. Um, cause I, I, my shirt was wet from sweat. Like I had a jacket on for rain, uh, protect myself from the rain yeah. and then or keep myself dry from that. And then, um, I guess underneath I got my teacher, I had my junior motorsports shirt that I had and was, you know, pretty sweaty and everything. I was like, well, I'm not going to walk around in this weather with a soaked shirt. So I went store and I had to, I had to buy a shirt and I saw a pretty dope Jeff Gordon shirt and got that one. Well, that's a good move there. Um, We uh, definitely will talk about Daytona and part of the reason, uh, one of the reasons why we have our guest, our regular contributor in full Hendrick Motorsports look with his sun drop hat on and clean shaven. Uh, His name is Joe Passero from uh, Fan Sided and Beyond the Flag. Uh, He is here to talk about the clown show that was Daytona this weekend. What's going on, brother? Not much. Just, you know, recovering from... Daytona. I, I, I was not there, but I still watched it and still needed to recover a little bit. Uh, I actually, I too had plans. I was telling Josh, I had plans to be at a race this week, not Daytona. I was going to go to North Wilkesboro. I had to fend off round two of COVID and I only tested negative this morning. So it was too late to leave at that point. So oh, you're um, going to see Junior. Yeah, I was going to see Junior. <laughs> you know it. Uh, but I'm glad to be here. Um, there's a lot to talk about. A lot happened this week, news-wise, both on the track and off the track. We have the playoffs now, so it's going to be a really interesting 10 weeks. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, right now, as it stands, we're going to do this one as an NASCAR-only show, unless uh, somehow or another we, like, zip through all of these topics. I don't think that's possible, considering so much happened here. But um, uh, Bald Spot Dylan gets a victory Looked like he was going to back into the victory after NASCAR's infinite wisdom allowed uh, 30 cars or 25 cars to drive into a into a 24-degree bank corner while it was raining and 80% of the field was wrecked. Uh, we will talk about how all of that went on. But Dylan, they spent hours drying the track to bring it back, 21 laps 
Dylan basically had to battle his teammate. Austin Sindrick, who he moved out of the way since Austin Dillon thinks he's Dale Earnhardt, I guess. Um, but uh, he goes and wins, backs himself into the playoffs. On the last shot, Martin Truex Jr. falls three points short after 26 weeks out of the playoffs. So he will finish 17th in points. He could win the next 10 weeks. He could do what Tony Stewart did in 2006, win three races in the playoff. He's going to finish 17th in points. Um, that's not the worst he's finished, of course. He's finished that bad before and in his time back in the day before he became what he is. He became a Hall of Famer over the last few years, mainly with the help of Toyota and all that. But uh, Martin Truex, he will be back next year, and he'll be motivated since he's going to be coming in as the guy who finished 17th in points. As Ryan Blaney, who got destroyed in one of the many wrecks that took place this weekend, his right front corner was towed all different ways. I don't think it was moving, but somehow or another, the Penske crew, his 12 crew, repaired it, got the thing functional, and after everything that happened, Ryan Blaney finished 15th and uh, gained enough points to somehow or another get his way in. Now, the caveat to that is he will not be, that team cannot win the owner's championship. By So if by some chance, Ryan Blaney can go and in 10 weeks from now win the driver's championship Penske will not win the owner's championship because Kurt Busch's car the 45 2311 car is still eligible to um, run for the owner's championship so Ty Gibbs who I assume is going to run out the rest of this season and I guess means he will not be eligible for rookie of the year for whenever he decides to become a cup driver which might be next year for all I know um is running for the owner's championship. So that's an interesting uh, piece to that. I mean, we see that in the truck series, kind of are going to see that in the Xfinity series, but um, it's going to be an interesting uh, turnabout there in the cup series. We'll get into that. All that happened in the Coke zero 400 uh, Kyle Bush. He went and did a, uh, a hit in the media center and said he had no news, but Eric Almirola is back for two more years and is going to have more races sponsored by Smithfield than he ever has before at Stuart House Racing. So that's an interesting uh, uh, deal where he said he was going to retire, and now he's going to be back for two more years. Uh, I brought up a point which we'll talk about in regards to what Kyle Busch is going to do or where he can go. So we'll discuss. Bird is out uh, of the playoff for the Drivers' Championship. We're just hoping that he'll be able to come back. Uh, the longer this goes, it feels a lot like Josh and Joe's guy, Dale Jr., it feels like he's not going to drive anymore, at least not in a cup car. Um, there's plenty of other vehicles I think Kurt Busch can drive in, but I don't think he's going to be in a cup car. The questions of the car itself and how rigid it is, um, they really have to start addressing it. In the uh, Daniel Suarez is coming back. Craftsman is coming back for the trucks. Greg Ives is retiring. Um, Zane Smith is going to be back with Front Row Motorsports. So all of that went on this past weekend and we'll get into the Darlington Southern 500 cookout Southern 500 and start the playoffs. What do we think our picks? Who are we looking to win? Who do we think is a wild card? Who do we think is going to get out of the round of 16? Uh, things we'll talk about Jeremy Clements after I think vert all, but he was one of five cars that was functional at the end of the race on Friday night. He wins his second career race on the same date, the same day on August, what is it, August uh, 26th, as he won his first career race at Road America, 
a few years ago, 2017. So five years later, he wins the Wawa 250 at Daytona, gets himself into the playoffs, puts college racing and um, RSS racing in a big bind, along with Sheldon Creed, RCR, who's outside of the points right now. Huge win for that organization. Uh, Just uh, amazing to see. Jeremy Clements, they're they're a team that has very few employees. Um, they they build good motors, cars, or you know it depends for them to go and win that race is huge for the sport and for the little guy. Uh, a lot of the little guys were able to actually have a good opportunity this weekend. If once we look at the results, which we'll get into shortly, uh, we will of course preview Cup and Xfinity at Darlington. Uh, if we do get to it, we'll get into the Belgian Grand Prix. The roundup will cover IMSA GT, F2, and F3, which was at VIR, F2, F3 at Spa. They'll be at Zandvoort this week for the Dutch Grand Prix, MotoGP, and Moto2 at Misano. And we will preview U.S. Nationals at Indianapolis this coming weekend, back on Labor Day weekend, and it'll be run on Monday for the first time in a few years. Um, Indy Cars will be at Portland, F1 at Zandvoort, and the Max Verstappen Grand Prix. Um Football and fantasy football talk, Josh's Sim segment in the show close. So, all right, Coke Zero 400, gentlemen, uh, saw saw the uh, design. Okay, so we'll get into that in a second. But Coke Zero Sugar 400 saw Austin Dillon get his fourth career victory in the Cup Series, essentially the first time he might have earned a victory in about a decade, so credit to him on that. Um, his wife was dancing around on pit road in between holding their kid. Um, Austin had to make a uniform change. I'm working under the pretense that him and his wife were fucking each other and he made a mess and he needed to oh. get out of it. Um, but you shit himself there prob- too. <laughs> well, I mean that everyone's making the shitting himself joke and then getting the reference into Tony when he shit himself. Cause he had the diarrhea at red Watkins Glen. Boris said going and saying, yeah, no, I don't want to go and sit in a seat full of diarrhea, even though he knew he would have won a cup race. But, um, but uh, yeah, I, I honestly believe he was porking her and he came all over the place and, and that and he was sweaty um, and he decided, oh, I'm just going to change my uniform. I want to make myself look even better, even though he's four foot tall and he has a Napoleon complex and he sucks. Um, he goes and wins with help from his teammate, Tyler Reddick. I was just hoping when I was listening to that on the radio because I was out my aunt. It's my aunt's birthday a couple of days ago. So happy birthday to her. And we went out to this moroccan restaurant and none of the food had any flavor but i was thinking about the race i kept i was trying i was talking to joe i was trying to keep up with it on twitter i got in the car just right in time got out of the garage two laps to go and i'm like come on tyler reddick do the right thing hook austin dylan into the wall and let's go and have another restart you know just just really do the heel turn i i wanted tyler reddick to do the full rick flair um, he didn't, uh, because he, at least for now, is going to be at RCR next year. Um, Sindrick was going for the double at Daytona. Um, he's had a good recent stretch. He's done a really good job. He has locked up Rookie of the Year, um, more or less, because he's in the playoff. I mean, he did lock up Rookie of the Year when he won the 500, but uh, he definitely is locked up Rookie of the Year now. Um, he had a chance to win that race, but 
unfortunately got moved by Dylan. Landing Castle gets his best career finish in the Cup Series with a fourth place finish. Noah Gagson finished fifth. The algorithm, the Tate Fogelman algorithm pick. At that point, and once we got to a few laps ago, I'm like, come on, just let it happen now. Yeah, I was, I, I was pulling for it, man. <laughs> I, I was, I was like, you know what? Let's just have it, have it happen. Because he's sitting there, he thinks he's Tim Richmond. You know, he's trying to really think that he's something that he really isn't, which is an actually good race car driver. So it's like, fine, just let him, let the Beard Motorsports team win. Uncle Brenny had a chance. He went and ended up on his lid. At Talladega, the one time you really had a chance. Um, I mean, I, I would have signed for that at that point. I was I was honestly wanting Cody Ware because there were the meltdowns that would have happened if Cody Ware had won at Daytona would have been outstanding. And I was having that debate with Joe. I'm like, you know, I'm going to buy like Rick Ware racing merch because it's like Ryan Eversley, but it's like, oh, it's, but Joe's like, it's still Rick Ware racing merch, but it's like, I'm, it's, it's Nerdek ODT, but it's an Acura, but I like Acura and I'm a fan of Ryan Eversley. So it's like, it's Ryan Eversley merch, even though it's still Rick Ware racing merch. It's whatever. I, I kind of wanted that to happen. I was trying to have it happen. It didn't. Uh, BJ McLeod, um, Ware six, McLeod seventh. Uh, credit to the guy that had la- that had uh, landing or Noah Gregson, Cody Ware, and BJ McLeod in their parlay to win seven hundred sixty thousand dollars on a ten dollar bet. And then there was another guy for thirteen fifty that bet Castle, Gregson, Ware, and McLeod and won just under a million dollars. So credit to those two gentlemen. Or having the foresight. Yeah, I think it was 70. The first guy was 70K, and then the other guy was the, won the million dollars. So, but those, yeah, those are two really good bets there. I saw <laughs> seven or 70, yeah, seven. Yeah, 70K. It was, it's, yeah, 70K, 70,600, whatever. And then that's yeah, my fault, but whatever. It's still that's, not money. Well, it's enough money, money that it would have made, made my life a whole lot better if I had the foresight to figure that NASCAR was going to let them run in the rain on an oval. Um, Martin Truex Jr. eighth, David Reagan ninth, and Kyle Busch, winner of the second stage, finished tenth. Bubba Wallace was eleventh. Uh, there were only ten cars on the lead lap. There was eleven cars within one lap, and then after that, it's just basically a disaster. Um, Blaney, as I mentioned, finished fifteenth. So um, a lot to get into. Uh, Larson started on pole. I uh, he did start on pole at date in the five hundred as well this year so he swept the polls a hendrick kind of tradition going and winning polls at daytona but engine problems for kyle larson uh not good considering the momentum lost a lot of points opportunities he was probably going to be second in points if he had uh essentially ran the race um by only making it what is it here 14 laps he really had no chance and lost out on an opportunity to gain points on on Clyde. Uh, Clyde was up there, and he got knocked out. He ended up leading the most laps, Clyde, and got a second in stage one. And uh, But, you know, lost out. I mean, he was going to win the regular season anyway. We already knew that. He's going to have 40 playoff points, which is what he's got. Uh, and he's got a 15-point lead now leading into the uh, playoffs over Joey Logano. 20 on Chastain, 21 on Larson. And something we'll get into in a little bit is after Larson, how intriguing the points battle really is. Uh, but Josh, I'll throw to you first, man. Uh, a lot happened yesterday, a lot of wrecks. Uh, Brad Keselowski and Christopher Bell 
early. Uh, they were taken out there uh, amongst, yeah, it was Kevin Harvick, Keselowski, Hamlin, Blaney. That was a Blaney wreck. Uh, Eric Jones was up front. He got moved off the 11 car and um, destroyed a lot of crap. 30 laps, 30 something laps into the race. Then after that, it was pretty tame uh, until the end of stage two. Then after stage two ended, they started yard sailing cars, which included Martin Truex Jr. and uh, Ross Chastain, Corey LaJoy, who looked like somebody who could have won, which would also been hilarious after he gets eliminated from actually being able to make it in. He had a good car, but that's not shocking. That's what Spire does. They really only run well at about three or four racetracks a year. Um, but yeah, the two guys that were battling for one spot, it became really interesting after that wreck. And uh, Blaney somehow or another makes it through. Austin Dillon backs into the playoffs, gives two drivers from RCR into the playoff. Uh, a lot went on uh, yesterday at Daytona for sure in the Coke Zero 400, Josh. Yeah, a lot went on for sure. I mean, um, yeah, a lot of aggressive driving, um, especially when, um, especially when, you know, the rain was coming, uh, the second half of the race, a lot of, a lot of, uh, aggressive racing through the field. Um, you know, one of those wrecks, uh, Chase Briscoe made a, made a move to basically take the lead and then, um, got high and then Alex Bowman got in the back That's of him. Sent by Alex Bowman. Yeah, yep. that was lovely. And, and Alex, and I'm sorry, before you go for it, I'll just say this. He went and basically said, oh, it wasn't Alex Bowman's fault and all that, and whatever, that's fine. But you're literally the worst driver in the playoff, and you're going for a win, and Alex Bowman's probably second or third on that list. I mean, now that Dylan's in there, he's pretty bad as well, but he has as many or more top fives than than, than the 14 car and a couple other people. Like, dude, he had a piece yesterday. He's had a piece at multiple super speedway races. It's been the product of his whole entire year having pace at times and not being able to pay it off and having bullshit happen all the time it's why you're on the bump oh god i i I was in i was not very happy i was doing the f1 grid talk podcast when i saw um briscoe take the lead and then getting sent off the front end of of freaking alex bowman and i wanted to throw something through my tv but i couldn't because i was live (laughs) on the freaking show oh man that would be some content they're throwing you know, destroying the TV there. No, but I mean, the reason I brought that up is because that was, a you know, the pass leading up to that is pretty aggressive, you know, going up, going up there and trying to be the first one in line on, on the, on the, on the high side there. But, um, that was an example of aggressive racing. You know, you had, um, leading up to the rain, Denny Hamlin was trying to fight, fight for the lead, um, right there, uh, against, uh, Daniel Suarez, um, you know, just a lot of a lot of aggressive bump drafting through the corners. Some drivers uh, couldn't, you know, couldn't uh, take it through the corner, um, and they could only be bump drafted on the straights. Um, but uh, a lot of furious racing, of course, um, between drivers trying to make it in the playoffs. Uh, Truex, Ryan Blaney, until he got crashed, you know, trying to be able to make it uh, survive the race so they can stay in the playoffs uh, and and not get eliminated. But um, I think you know the main. The main topic of the discussion, you know, is the big crash on, you know, lap 139 with 21 laps to go uh, in this race and uh, the rain causing the wreck. You know, there's a lot of debate online where when the rain exactly did it you know, occur. And, you know, we 
I mean, I know you guys think uh, it was at least a lap before, and um, I would I would have to say it probably started uh, at least when they were on the back stretch of the previous lap, because um, there's a, there's fan videos there, at least one where uh, one of the fans said it's raining, it's raining right now on the front stretch, and you know they're going around, and I mean you can kind of see on the camera like as they get close to turn like like from turn four previous lap going to turn one when they crashed um rain starts to pick up as they get closer to turn one so there was already rain and that was from uh justin haley's on board uh there so there's already rain starting to happen and i guess you know the conclusion from that is to i guess you know nascar has got to do a better job of when to throw the caution uh for rain because um you know Sometimes, you know, you can drive through the mist as they did earlier in the race at the very beginning. You could see mist starting to form up, but, you know, right before, uh, you know, this instance and uh, the big one, um, you could start to see a pickup right as they got into turn one. So and it's a very hard, fine line, uh, very fine line, and it's very hard to determine exactly that. But, um, you know, they, they uh, I guess, incompetence there leads to, um, you know, a situation where, certain drivers get eliminated uh from the playoffs and then you have a driver not really deserving of a playoff spot in the first place uh suddenly in contention to win one in i mean i'd i'd say it if it was bubba wallace too if he had uh, managed to get through that i mean yeah it would have been uh a lot i guess a lot cooler than austin dillon but you know still the same thing applies you know guy you know in the bottom half of this not the bottom half of the standings but you know the in in the bottom half of the top 20 um getting in versus ryan blaney or martin truex um you know being able to get in you know they do they really deserve to get in playoffs versus those two it's a big question there um so yeah the the wreck was um egregious i guess on nascar's end uh manning managing the 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 race and stuff so um you know nascar they got to do a better job of that and then you know of course um with the rain of course you know we talked about uh all year the cars crashing harder than uh what they have in the past or at least feeling harder than what they had in the past and i mean you saw a good example there you know especially with ricky stenhouse um basically getting on top of another car uh in the middle of turn one since everybody For lost sure. traction yep that's right so yeah i mean the nascar you know they they talked about it before with nascar's new chassis designed this year they designed it so that it would survive the three percent of the crashes where the other 97 percent um it seems like it it hits harder feels harder and so i don't know what the answer is to that um other than they gotta i guess figure out a way to make a uh stiffer or not as stiff uh chassis there so you know we'll, we'll see what what they decide to do and the off season and what they uh decide to adjust for that and i mean we we're talking about before the show but i mean i think my feeling is is that they had Ryan Newman's 2020 Daytona crash in mind uh, with with this design and or crashes like that, and that the chassis would not break because you know we saw uh, that that car basically get you know the roll cage get destroyed like that, and maybe they designed it so that the roll cage wouldn't get destroyed the, like like that, but you know maybe in the end the driver is just like a broken egg, I guess, and someone gets, you know, seriously injured or concussed like Kurt Busch is currently right now. So, um, you know, that's something they got to go back to the drawing board. You know, the engineers got to go back and figure out a different way to, um, you know, design it so it's not like this. Because even, even what we heard from this season, just a, a, a bump in the back bumper seems to be feel pretty hard. So, um, you know, they got to figure out a different way and certainly make make these crashes a lot more survivable especially you know 
places like Daytona and Talladega where they crash uh, pretty hard and quite frequently. And it's something that we really have to look at because of where Kurt Busch is at. And we he had to go and withdraw, as we said earlier, withdraw his uh, waiver into the playoffs because he's not going to be able to participate. And we don't know if he's going to participate the rest of this season. Uh, you have uh, this Darlington this weekend would have probably been a great spot for him to come back, but he knows he's not going to come back. Uh, we knew he wasn't going to run Daytona. I get that. And it makes sense. He didn't based on what happened. Uh, you also look at, I mean, Kansas at a, at a racetrack where he's won, he won the race uh, earlier this year was a Toyota benefit. Um, you know, maybe he comes back there, but, and then Bristol's one of his best racetracks in his career, but hard hits are hard hits, no matter where you have them. Uh, it's something that is unfortunate And I think what we talked about, the three of us talked about offline, it's almost, it's funny how our offline conversations are probably just as good, if not better than what we do on here, which uh, may speak to something we might have to do uh, uh, at a later date. But um, I think we have to really look at, you know, the way the construction of this car, um, this, it may be constructed in a way that works in GT racing, where you have lots of runoff areas and sand traps and tire barriers and you're going into corners at different rates of speed but you're not going in as fast um there's also the aspect of how the car goes and dissipates energy which means like you see lots of destruction or you see pieces being removed from the car this car has proven that it doesn't really budge and it kind of reminds me unfortunately of yesteryear with the gen 4 car or maybe the gen 3 car actually essentially gen 3 gen 4 era year 2000 when we were having all the issues with basler skull fractures amongst all three series where we lost um four drivers of course most famously dale Earnhardt senior um you know where the the incidents and the head-on collisions lack of give relative to the lack of safety equipment. They said, oh, they didn't have Hans devices. They didn't have full face helmets. They didn't have this and the other. Well, that's fine. But when the cars are so rigid, essentially like say Jeff Gordon's T-Rex car and you hit the wall, where's the energy going? You'd always remember the days of when the gas tanks would go and catch on fire when you go and slam the wall. But then the point is you're going fire, you're like you're putting gas tank deep, you're going firewall deep, the energy, things are going to fall off the car. When Elliot Sadler went and hit the wall, hit the dirt embankment at Pocono and his whole motor got ripped out of the car in the Gen 5 car and the whole thing was destroyed, he was knocked out of breath, he had to go and get out, but he got out on his own power and he raced next week. Kurt Busch hit, you know... Like, it, it wasn't the hardest hit. Everyone's like, oh, it wasn't that hard of a hit. But the point is, he didn't walk out of that car essentially feeling all that great. He didn't look like he was his usual self. And that was in the middle of July, and we we're at the end of August when we we're doing the show, and he still hasn't gotten back in a race car. So what the hell is NASCAR doing? What are you going to do? You want a GT car on, on an oval that doesn't work. They had, the point is, the Gen 5 and Gen 6 cars missed in many areas. But one thing that I can say for sure that Gen 5 and Gen 6 cars was good at is safety in regards to keeping the drivers here. There's enough incidents that took place that in previous years would have 
meant death. In this case, in those cases, we still have those drivers here. Dylan went and ate it in the catch fence at 15, 15 at Daytona at the end of the race when Dale Jr. won it. That could have been, that should have been the worst of the worst. He gets out of the car waving his hand, all that, because of the safety, you know, the, you know, the Ryan Newman wreck, which you talked about in this car, maybe it would have been a little bit more safe, but who knows? We'll talk about Sheldon Creed's incident uh, on Friday also in a little bit, but I mean, Joe, I guess we'll start on that aspect and then you can go and give your thoughts on the race in general. Um, the safety of this car, I think we are, when Denny Hamlin, you said, was talking about it, other people are talking about it. I think we have a real problem here and nobody really wants to deal with it because NASCAR media ain't going to say anything about it and NASCAR itself isn't going to say anything about it. But if the likes of Denny Hamlin, who's one of the stakeholders in this sport and is a driver and is trying to win his first career championship and one of his drivers is out of the series right now because of it, that's something that has to be addressed. And I think that was the elephant in the room going back to last year during the testing as well. Yeah, during the testing process last year, I remember, I believe it was the first time that a driver crashed a car. It was either Byron, Byron. or Buster. Yeah, it was Byron at uh, at Auto Club, if I remember correctly. And he, I, from that day, he said, you know, that hit felt unusually hard. And obviously, we don't have footage of that crash. We can't really compare right like what what would we see it as opposed to how he felt but you know for that to be the the first wreck and be running completely alone on the racetrack and to have that hard of an impact it is worrisome and it doesn't really seem like that's you know been a one-off instance it seems like that was the start of what has become a trend here in 2022 with crashing this next gen car you know i i, I get that they want to make a car that you know maybe tailors itself to those those types of really bad wrecks the dylan wreck in 15 the newman wreck you say in in 2020 but that's three percent what about the other 97 right i mean cars are going to crash every week it's just a part of racing now right you, you don't have those races anymore like you do back in even the early 2000s to the mid 2000s where you could go a race caution free right they they once upon a time ran caution free at talladega in 2002 they almost did it twice so, uh, you know, it, it's, it, it's worrisome, right? As a fan, it's worrisome because, you know, we have instances where our drivers are not there, right? I mean, Kurt Busch, he's been around for a really long time, and he's had things happen uh, that have sort of taken his career one way or another. But I think maybe this is probably the most impactful. He's always recovered, but it's always been things like contracts, like sponsors, like finding the next place to go. It's never been a matter of his health. And that's, I think, what what is really scary because I think a lot of people, you know, especially people who maybe haven't had the opportunity to go to a race, it's a little hard to remember that, like, these people, yeah, they're entertaining you, but they are people, right? You go up, they sign an autograph, that's still another human being. They're just writing something on something you handed to them. Um, And I think when you think about that, it puts a lot in perspective because... It, you never want to see anybody get hurt. I don't care if you like Kurt Busch or not. You shouldn't be rooting for him to get hurt. If you are, then I'm certainly not watching a race or, or buying a beer for you. Um, you know, it, it, it's disappointing, really. The next-gen car, I think, has a lot of great features in it that has helped propel racing uh, in NASCAR to another level. I think we've seen it in the amount of winners. I think we've seen it in just the quality of the racing at most of the tracks this year. However, 
the safety is one thing that really concerns me. You said it, the hallmark of the Gen 5, the car tomorrow, as well as the Gen 6 was the great safety features that we were able to improve on from the past generation of car. There was not, I was part of that media announcement. I was watching it on Zoom. They really didn't mention anything about safety. It was almost like for the first time in 20 years, safety was put to the wayside. And, you know, I think we've gotten to a point where if the safety stayed stagnant, from the next gen, uh, from the Gen 6 car, that's one thing because we kind of know at that point what it's like. But it doesn't seem to have been stagnant. It seems to maybe have taken a step back and maybe not even a big step back. But for drivers to constantly get out of this car and complain that something hurts is, I mean, it worries me, right? When are we going to see that wreck, right? That 3% wreck that we talk about and how hurt is this driver going to be, right? Hopefully not, you know, but if we're taking hits, like, I mean, and I'll say Denny Hamlin, when he got out of the, the car this weekend, you could, you kind of tell he was aching. And, but I, I can't even say that. I think that's the hardest hit I've seen in his career, you know? So to say that it's like, there's something just off putting about it to me. It, it's very strange. And, and I think just generally the safety with this car is strange. I was at Pocono. I watched Kurt wrecking back into the wall. I've seen harder hits at a racetrack. To me, I really didn't think of it, right? It, it, there was no la abnormal noise that I heard when the car crashed. There was no, nothing abnormal. I, I mean, Kurt, he got out of the car pretty gingerly. But other than that, there was nothing abnormal. So to be at the track the next day to hear he's not racing, I mean, it's so concerning, right? Now, you know, I, I think, Phil, you had said, you know, maybe uh, reminiscent of Dale Jr. back in 2016. You know, I, I think there are some similarities, right? Dale Jr., in 2016, he had runs that would basically put him top 10. And then he had runs where he'd crash and he'd be out of the race. This year, I think Kurt's had a somewhat similar year, right? He's had those really good runs. He's had the runs that crash and put him out of the race. And I think he, very much like Dale Jr. back in 2016, has had uh, an ab maybe an abnormal amount of wrecks or incidents that you know, he spun in and sustained some damage and, and granted times are different, but I see that's what a lot of people spell, you know, on Twitter, Facebook, on social media, that's what they're attributing Kurt's concussion to. But I do just want to throw it out there. I'm not a concussion expert. I, I've done some studying on concussions. I did my senior, uh, capstone on concussions. I did two college papers on concussions. Uh, I've, I've read Dale Jr.'s book about concussions. And I think what people are maybe failing to realize when they say, well, oh, it's the series of hits. Yes, that can be true. There's nothing to discredit that. But in those series of hits, he would have to be injuring the same part of his brain or the same parts enough times, right? It's probably easier to can get a concussion from one hit as it would be to injure the same part of your brain to actually have been hurt enough to be called a concussion, right? There's a lot of different parts of the brain, right? And to have a bruise on one of them is essentially what is a concussion. So if he keeps wrecking and keeps injuring the same part of the brain, okay, you know, that's one thing. And I can't help but wonder now because he's been out for so long, is that what happened? Did he throughout the course of the season injure his brain on numerous parts and then possibly the one, you know, one wreck at Pocono was just what put him overboard and, you know... I, I don't know. We're not really going to find out unless Kurt tells us. Uh, it It's super concerning, really, is where it's at. And I think maybe they do need to redesign 
uh, parts of this car. You know, I, I know there are they left it open for future modification. Um, I don't know how much they did that with uh, the Delara chassis that they're working with now, but um, hopefully that is the case, and they can go back and maybe find something that uh, helps fine tune how you know, impactful these crashes are with these drivers. Um, you know, as, as far as the rest of the race goes, it was really nice to see everybody in some sense be aggressive and be too wide and watch multiple lanes work throughout the race. I feel like sometimes we don't get that. Um, and I, I always worry about the Daytona race uh, in July in particular, because if it has to run during the day, it's really hot and slimy and it just naturally lends itself to more crashes, regardless of whether or not the drivers are being aggressive. Uh, so it was nice to see, in some sense, how aggressive the drivers were getting with a low attrition rate during the first two stages. Um, I liked seeing all the drivers really get after it. I, I had made this very long tweet thread uh, earlier in the week about how I thought this group of drivers should be really aggressive. This group of drivers probably going to conserve their car. I, I feel like everybody was really on the, the more aggressive side. And, uh, you know, I, I think really the biggest thing that was interesting to watch was after Blaney crashed in uh, at the end of the first stage because now it throws in a totally new element and it probably looked like for most of the race Truex was going to be able to make up that 25 26 point gap that he entered with uh obviously things changed Truex had his incident that ripped off a fender and, and then we had the rain right now as far as the rain goes this is the second instance in the last two years where NASCAR has failed to throw a yellow flag for rain, right? Happened at Loudoun last year, Kyle Busch, Truex, and I believe there was one other car, maybe Hamlin uh, um, and Bowman, who all kind of slid up the track, and uh, obviously the 19 and the 18 hit pretty hard. The, I believe it ended uh, two of their days, and then you know the 48 and the 11 made their contact. Uh, but this is the second time, and it's a lot worse this time because they did it at a track that they're going to run twice as fast. Uh, through most of the track, probably the average speed has got to be at least twice as fast at Daytona than it is at Loudoun. So, um, you know, it's concerning. I feel like Loudoun, it was, you know, it it didn't really look like it was raining so much. You couldn't really see it on the cameras until after they had crashed. Um, you know, I know the drivers, some of them had kind of said it felt slick the lap before, but it's Loudoun. A lap at Loudoun is 30 seconds. Uh, a lap at Daytona is about, you know, 44 two to 45. So, you know, I would hope that that extra 15 seconds, 15 seconds is a long time in racing. Um, I would hope that that extra 15 seconds would help make a, a de determination, but I'll be honest, I was really disappointed. I, from watching at home, saw rain on certain camera angles about a lap before they had that accident. Uh, like Josh said, there were videos from fans who were, who were there and who were recording and it was about 30 seconds before they actually crashed that fans recognized that it was raining on the front stretch. I, I, I just don't really understand what happened on NASCAR's part. I don't know if, you know, the spotters that are placed at the four corners were just barely removed from the rain and it was just too late. I don't know if, uh, yeah, I, there, there's no real way of telling, right? But the bottom line is, is that this is the second instance in a little over a calendar year, right, that we've had this and it has taken cars out of the race, right? It was one thing at Loudoun, you know, I know Kyle was mad, but it, it was only a few cars, right? For the most part, people got away pretty good. Uh, they wrecked everyone this weekend except for the three and the two, 
only two cars that were in that large pack that uh, really didn't get involved with anything. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. They, I, I've really tried over a long period of time to, you know, to give the benefit of the doubt on what my opinion are on some rain-related cautions. But, you know, I go back to the Daytona road course in 2021. You know, there was a sprinkle for about 10 seconds that went away. I, I don't really see the need to throw a caution, yet they throw a caution. Uh, and arguably, even doing that ruined a driver's day. You know, not throwing a caution at uh, Loudon ruined a few drivers. I, I mean, they yard sailed it. That was... I mean, maybe the largest one I've seen in quite a few years. So, uh, you know, grateful everybody was able to walk away from that crash. I hate that Hamlin, you know, felt the impact of it. Uh, I'd like to know how Suarez is doing because he hit a massive. I mean, he just went straight up into the wall. That scared me because to me, that looked a lot like Dale Earnhardt uh, when he passed. That looked very freakishly similar where he turned down the racetrack. And then this violent turn back up and that, that one scared me a lot. So, uh, you know, safety, big deal, uh, whether that's the car or whether that's just throwing a caution, um, you know, hopefully there's something that NASCAR can learn from this instance. And, uh, hopefully maybe they decide in the future that they get a little bit more aggressive about throwing a caution, right? I mean, you had to anticipate they were going to crash one way or another. Rain was not exactly what I had in mind, but, um, you know, that was the caution that allowed Austin Dillon to really take control of the race. He he did lose the lead to Sindrick, and Sindrick had the opportunity to really cement his name in, in uh, a really historic record book of just a few drivers, right? I think Jimmy Johnson was the last sweep Daytona in 13, and before him, I believe, it was uh, one of the Bakers. I think it was maybe Buddy Baker in 82, or Buck Baker in 82, uh, I, I don't, I don't quite remember that far back. I wasn't alive, but, uh, you know, since the first time since 82 or 83, uh, before Johnson. So, you know, that would have been a really historic achievement. I don't know that Dylan really meant to hit him hard, uh, that hard at least, but, um, I also can't blame him. You know, the winning you're in system demands a win. He needed a win. He found a way to get one. Uh, you know, Reddick, I think Reddick probably had the best car at the end of the race, uh, despite having some damage. But he decided that he wanted to smooth things over with uh, Richard Childress and uh, did the right thing to keep his career intact for the next uh, year and and change. Uh, you know, making that move probably helped a lot of people at RCR. So, um, you know, really interesting end to the race. I, I actually kind of hoped that they were just going to call it because I, I didn't really care to see, you know, a, a line of five or six cars uh, drive in a line for 20 laps. Um, I'll be honest, the end of the race was better than what I thought it was going to be. But uh, all the less, it was just a very strange weekend, more than anything, I think. And, uh, you know, I think certain calls and certain things happening at certain times probably affected uh, Truex being out of the playoffs. Um, inevitably, one way or another, they did. So uh, there's a lot of people in New Jersey right now, in my, in my area, who uh, watch racing, who are probably upset. Um, but, uh, you know, it, that, that's the way it goes. I know there's a lot of heat right now on NASCAR, uh, from the fans, you know, I get it right. If you look at it, right. Truex really hasn't been behind eighth in points at any point this year, uh, climbed as high as second in points at one point during the race. If they had ended the race with 20 to go, he would have finished the regular season second and would have advanced over Blaney. But, you know, you, you really, at the same time, I have this 
argument inside of myself. It's like, well, he didn't win, right? That's the game. Winning, you're in, and he didn't do it. So, you know, he's SOL. So, uh, you know, to all the fans who are out there, I think they definitely have the right idea of don't hate the player, hate the game, because I haven't seen Truex get any hate. But I think fans need to really start becoming a lot more vocal in a serious manner uh, when they go to air their frustration on socials uh, about what they want to see in the playoffs, right? Because we have to keep in mind this playoff system uh, that NASCAR invented, this was the year they wanted to see, right? We got the 16 winners. We got plenty of drama, plenty of stuff to talk about. And now we're going to go into the playoffs and there really is no championship favorite. Yeah, I think that's something that um, seeing somebody who is good enough points wise, I mean, now that with the reset, I can't um, go and quantify it. I wish I could go and quantify it based on that. I have to go and find somewhere where they show the regular points, but it's a good thing that you brought up there, Joe. I got the regular Josh. points if you'd like. Okay. Yeah, so... I mean, you brought up the fact that Truex was second at a point yesterday during the race. The fact that for a while there, I think until recently, both um, Blaney and Truex were second and fourth in points. I think they entered yesterday's race third and sixth in regular points. And it goes into a go ahead. Yeah, they were third and sixth uh, with the official results. They ended third and fourth. Truex was three back, uh, 798 to Blaney's 801. And then comparatively speaking to, uh, I did the math wrong there, but you know, he was, uh, he was 141 back of the leader. And then you take Austin Dillon after winning the race was 374 back of the leader. So that's more than double, uh, you know, that's a considerable gap. So I understand totally where fans are coming from, where it's like, you know, they, 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 yeah, I mean, Truex really should be in if you ask me. I, I know, I, I know exactly what I just said. Don't hate the player, hate the game. Yeah. Uh, it, it's, I think there is an adjustment that needs to be made. That's probably for a different time and a different show because we are heading into the playoffs. But, yeah. um, I, I would hope that in the future that, you know, NASCAR recognizes this and, and maybe says there maybe is something we can do. Top five automatically get in, top 10 automatically get in, something like that. Well, that's what we had when we had the, I think, I don't know how many versions, I guess there's websites that go over all the different versions of the chase and the now playoff and whatever the hell they want to call it. But I remember the first change, which was out from 10 to 12, um, which was essentially a reaction to Dale Jr. and Jeff Gordon missing the playoff in 05, which all five Roush cars made, which Hendrick freaked out about, and then they changed it to a four-team rule, which has screwed him over, which is hilarious in its own right. But um, the most popular driver and the guy that could have possibly won his fifth championship uh, getting knocked out of the playoff, or coming off of a possibility to win a fifth championship and getting knocked out, Tony Stewart wins that championship by a few points over Greg Biffle, uh, who was probably the best driver that year anyway. Then in 2006, the defending series champion gets knocked out by Candy Kane and wins three races in the playoff, and it doesn't count for Jack Crap and finishes 11th in points. And then they made the 12-driver the rule, which was top 10 in points with two drivers, the top two drivers outside of the top 10 in points with the most wins. So Josh and I had that discussion last week in episode 130, and through further um, through further science in my own mind, um, I 
the 12 drive rule. Uh, personally, there should be 12 drivers, which would knock out Chase Briscoe. And I, I keep on saying this. You can go and question me, whatever. I'm a Chase Briscoe guy. Chase Briscoe does not belong in the playoff. And I'm saying this as a Chase Briscoe fan, knowing that Tony Stewart said the same exact thing. We're just wasting a spot. Briscoe could go off right now, put me in a Bolivian and go and, and have the best 10 races of his freaking life. If he does that, God bless him. There's there's signs that it exists, but it has not been good enough to where, I mean, he has less top fives than fucking bald spot Dylan. That's pathetic um, because Austin Dylan's completely irrelevant in, in more, in, in most cases. I mean, Dylan has four more top tens. He has one more top five than Chase Briscoe. And I, I guess the, the one more top five happened yesterday uh, because he won. It's it's crazy to think. I mean, he has a 19 average finish. I mean, to be to be completely honest, I'm a fan of the worst driver that in this in this playoff field. And he'd have been eliminated under most pre on any real pretense. He'd have been knocked out of this playoff field. No problem. And that would have also knocked out the likes of Alex Bowman. Dylan would have had no chance. Um, Sindrick, Sindrick would have been knocked out. I figure by, I mean, maybe by a point or something. I don't know what the overall points were. Um, Joe, you could tell me, but I think that I say the top eight in points, my, my move would be top eight in points gets locked in no matter what, which would have meant that Blaney and Truex, no matter what happened to them yesterday, would have had them in. And then four drivers wild card. Who are, who are the and, two drivers we're looking at? You said uh, Truex, or I mean, um, what's it called? Uh, Cindric and Suarez. Cindric and Suarez. So uh, at the end of the Daytona race, Daniel Suarez had six hundred twenty-seven points. Austin Cindric had six hundred fourteen. So they were relatively close, but favor to Suarez. So in the end, yes, um, uh, Austin Cindric would have in in my hypothetical playoff so we would have knocked out the daytona 500 winner knocked out chase briscoe more than likely alex bowman and it would have knocked out austin dillon even though he won um martin truex would have made the made the playoff and daniel suarez would have made the playoff on the cutoff spot which is fine i mean at the end of the day blaney martin truex making the playoff christopher bell has been way better than what his results really show in a lot of ways. Kyle Busch might be one of his worst years of his career, to be honest, but considering everything that's going on, you know, I mean, and, and the fact is Chase Briscoe's the only reason why he has a win, uh, because he went and ran through, uh, Tyler Reddick at, uh, the Bristol dirt race. And to be completely fair, Chase Briscoe should have won at least another race this year. 600. He should have fucking won the Coca-Cola 600, but he's too nice, and he wrecked himself off of Kyle Larson instead of running through Kyle Larson. Um, then he's going, oh, you know, Alex Bowman didn't run through me. I made a block, and it didn't work out well. Now, I, I, I'm starting to deal with it. Like, I'm going through the stages of grief, and I'm starting to realize that I'm a fan of a guy that's too nice. That is not going to be able to do the job. And now I'm sitting there and I'm like, I'm going to root for a guy that runs 20th every week, I mean, which means I'm not going to root for him. I'm going to f- be a fan of him as a person. And I, I, he's a great guy, but dude, 
I can't do it. It's, I can't do it. I, I'm sorry. It's like me trying to watch Formula One. The only reason I watch Formula One now, I'm probably going to be watching Formula One for the next four years, is because I have to do a, a, a side podcast. Otherwise, I don't want to watch it. I don't give a fuck. My driver's not in contention. I don't want to watch it. I'm a grown man. I don't. It's like <laughs> it, it's not. It's not worth it to me. I'm not going to wake up at eight o'clock in the morning to watch my guy finish fourth. I don't give a fuck. I'll go and do something else. I'll go go and work out. Go and get breakfast. Do something else. You know, go and smell the roses and all that shit. I'd rather do that than watch Fish Lips win. It's the same way as I don't want to watch fucking uh Kyle Larson win or or Kyle Bush or whoever, some other dick dillweed like you know Pace Elliott. Like I don't care. I don't want to watch that. I don't watch my driver be irrelevant. I I had to watch Tony Stewart be irrelevant for the last what five years of his career. Uh, four years of his career. Uh, four and a half. And um, Ernie be on irrelevant for the last I don't know. I guess two and a half years of his career. I'm not good for that. I don't care anymore. I don't love this. I don't. I don't care for NASCAR WWE bullshit to do that. And um, so all of that rounded out. I'm calling for 12 drivers, top eight get locked in with four wild cards. That would have been a more intriguing battle because that would have been like, oh, if somebody who has one win gets two wins, they'll jump Daniel Suarez. And even with Austin Dillon doing what he did yesterday, yeah, whatever. God bless you. You still got fucked. Your show sucks. Um, your wife was dancing around like a whore. Um, her, her BFF, who's way better looking than her. And there was a thing because what's his name? Um, one of the other media guys was posting the video of when, of the open for N- NASCAR and NBC with, um, Blake Shelton bringing yeah, back the sunshine. Uh, that was Phil, Aaron right? Bearden. Phil yeah, Phil Spain. Spain. And then our former, yeah, somebody who's been on this show, but Aaron Bearden too, linked to that. And I'm like, the only reason I downloaded that song is because that was the open for NASCAR on NBC. And it's not, it's not, you know, Metallica, the, their original, um, open back in 2001, but I love that song. And I'm like, I, it, cause I'm like, it reminds me of that video and all the idiot shit that went on June bug getting in a whatever. And, that was why I liked that song. And I, I mean, I like, I mean, I think I'm a fan of Blake Shelton mainly because of the voice. Cause I like the voice, but um, it was like a reminder of all those great songs, those intro songs. And I'm like, why can't there be the ESPN speed world theme from like the moment that they started in, in 1981 till their like end. And I would download that and I would just have it. It would be in like a loop, continuous loop. And I might end up getting stopped on the highway because I hear ESPN Speed World theme, and then add, like, Dave McClellan from the NHRA, oh, we have cars going 300 miles an hour, nitro cars going 300 miles an hour, and, and like, I I can't do it right now, but it's like he does the intros into the the NHRA thing with the ESPN Speed World theme that, like, yeah, I could listen to that all day, but, um, 
Hey, yeah. Phil, just I'm going to interject myself here because I was actually curious about the the math behind what you were saying. If you did eight drivers get locked in, then you've got the top eight. That's Elliott, Logano, Blaney, Truex, Larson, Chastain, Bell, Kyle Busch. Your four wild cards would actually be Kevin Harvick, William Byron, Tyler Reddick, and Denny Hamlin. Bowman would be the first driver out on points, then Suarez, Sindrick, Jones, Briscoe, Almirola, Dillon. Yeah, see, that's reasonable. Yeah, that's a legitimate. I like playoff. that playoff field. I, I feel. I mean, look, those the the four drivers who are outside of the top eight in points, they all have two wins. To me, if you win twice, I mean, I don't really think you can win twice in a season with both of them being a sham. Unless you were yeah. the luckiest person on earth, then you need to go play the lottery. Yeah. But um, I like that playoff field. I think that's a fairly good playoff field to represent the 2022 season and and considering what we're going to deal with here with this 10 race field uh there you could say there will be a good champion that comes out of out of that 12 and to be completely honest i think one of those 12 based on that breakdown is going to be there i'm that's not a big big branch to be climbing on to be fair and i need a big branch because i'm getting fatter but the fact is um that is a legitimate field. All those guys have two wins. It puts the emphasis on the one-win drivers to actually have to go and say, hey, oh shit, I have to win at Daytona. I have to hope for a miracle. I don't get wrecked and all this other stuff. So you're essentially putting all those guys in. Alex Bowman sucked for most of this year. There's That's why there's talk that he's going to get replaced. I I mean, I, I love Daniel Suarez. He's a great guy, great person, a minus who he dates. Um, you know, he drives for a great team. He's gone through a lot and he's been better than what his results show. He's had a lot of bad results at the end, but he's been up front. But unlike his teammate who has been able to pay it off and wreck people week after week, like Ernie Irvin used to do and Dale Earnhardt and all that, Suarez hasn't been able to pay it off. So you said it was Bowman, Suarez, Sindrick, and, 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 Briscoe that would have been knocked out based on that format. Uh, Bowman, and Suarez, Cindric, uh Jones, although he didn't win. Briscoe, yeah. Almirola, uh, Dylan, although he didn't win either. Um, yeah, those would have been your your guys yeah. eliminated. And then Dylan would have been eliminated, which is whatever. Who cares? At that right. point, it would have been it's a win. You get in the All Star race, wherever the hell that's going to be, and whatever the hell that format's going to be. So you get the you get the benefit of being in the All Star race. Everybody's in the clash at the Coliseum, so that's okay. But you're not going to make the playoffs. There has to be more. It's like oh, you win a race and you're in, and it's like okay, but you can backdoor win and get into the playoffs. That does. It's like, and I'm going to go and basically cancel myself because I'm happy that that Jeremy Clements won. But then it's the Xfinity series. Everybody and their mother knows that Jeremy Clements needs money and will transition. That's this is the way we'll transition into it. A guy, a team, five drivers or five people that are involved, including Jeremy and his dad that are on that team, whatever they got volunteer pit crew members and the whole bit goes and wins an Xfinity race at Daytona. Granted they destroyed nine eighty. 8% of the field uh, or more 92% of the field. I can't do the math off the top of my head. I will in a second, but um, I mean, it, the story is what it's about. Like you can go and actually make this look good for NASCAR in that Jeremy Clements, he five years after his first win gets his second win at Daytona 
the fact is it's never going to get any better for him and his dad and his family and his wife who was about to pass out and look like on pit road because she couldn't believe that her husband just went and won at daytona i mean that after everything we had to go through to get to that finish was worth it uh joe and and he's in the playoff he's only he's gonna get eliminated in the first round and and that's fine i mean i i actually wanted to bring up the other thing you were bringing up buddy baker you were mixing it up because he drove for die guard in a 28 car it was bobby allison in 82 bobby. with the right. in 82 with the um with the um bumper issue that gary nelson set up on that car um and the bumper fell off in the 82 daytona 500 and uh he won that race and then uh he won the coke zero 400 back then it would definitely wasn't coke zero 400 we know firecracker, know 400. firecracker 400 but i was, I was gonna um, yeah. say B- baker doesn't sound right baker would i think i was two years off because i think yeah, uh, baker, baker won, won the race in, in 80 80 huh? yeah he set the record that i think I'm, I think only I, recently got broken. Daytona 500 ever. I think it was broken or I'm mixing it up with the Indianapolis 500 because Indianapolis 500 was set by Harry Lunatic in 90. And I think Tony Kanaan, when he won in 2013, broke it. I think that's what it was. Uh, but um, yeah, Bobby Allison in 82 and one Jim Johnson in 2013 won both of those races. Um, that was the last person to sweep the races at Daytona. Uh, but in regards to the Xfinity series, it, it kind of flips things on its lid, man. Um, you got, you, you have, uh, a guy that was not going to make the playoff under any circumstance unless he wins. And this is essentially the last place that he could win to get in, uh, Big, big victory for Jeremy Clements. Puts himself in a place where he has a point. He has he has points on Herbst, Mayer, Hemrick, and Castle, Egan, Reed, who essentially are the six drivers that he's battling at this point. Bruckshot Jones as well is a point ahead of him, and he sucks. But um, he goes and, and wins this race uh, over Timmy Hill. God bless him. Uh, boot scoop boogie they didn't make his die cast from when he won on iRacing gets a second place finish with uh, Hendrick uh, equipment AJ Allmendinger gets a third place finish so still looking for that first super speedway race he was not happy at the end of that when he got out and was an interview he hates that place well, I mean, <laughs> he hates super speedway racing in general. Even though the irony is, in his Cup career, he's had some he's of his better it. finish. He's had some of his best finishes on super speedways, but he hates it, which I get when you are a road racer. Um, Brandon Brown crying, emotional, uh, wanted to win, needed a win to basically keep his career going. Uh, finish fourth. Sage Karam gets a top five finish with his whole splitter making a smiley face, uh, the Alpha Prime team. Ryan Vargas, Chicken Nuggets, Nuggy, uh, Chicken Nuggy Boy, uh, getting replaced on road courses uh, on the regular, gets a sixth-place finish. Keebler Gibbs, seventh. Alex LeBay, eighth. J.J. Yaley, so two drivers in the top ten for Carl Long. Kyle Sieg rounds out the top ten. Uh, there were 15 cars on the lead lap including Jesse Awuji, 
Um, somehow or another, Jesse Uji got 11th place finish. So hell can freeze over. The guy can actually finish somewhere near the front in a NASCAR race, even though he has no ability whatsoever. Um, yeah, so, I mean, you had Allgaier in that. Austin Hill, who had a front-end issue, destroyed front-end from one of the many wrecks that took place, was trying to win that race and get another super. That would have been the third super speedway win of the year if he had done that. But um, in the end, uh, you have the guy who was 16th in points, Jeremy Clemens, is now in the playoff uh, past uh, uh, maggot moron Brett Moffitt, who's not racing anymore uh, for that position. Now he is 16th in points. He's 47 points behind Brandon Brown, who's made every start, but I'm not sure from what I see if he's going to be in uh he's not gonna oh he's gonna be in the 78 car so he's still still gonna be eligible uh driving for bj mcclaude um but the 78 car i think has issues points ways but uh jo- uh joe to you crazy night on friday night rain issues went late but jeremy clements going and winning this race is a good one for the little guy getting that victory on Friday night. Yeah, and really the the Daytona race I feel like was good for the little guys. Uh pretty in cup there were a handful of drivers top 10 who uh you know the little teams that got and I think likewise in Xfinity a handful of teams that you wouldn't normally see run near the front, finish up front, uh probably picked up a lot of valuable R&D dollars this this uh this week. Um I, I say that I think it somewhat sounds like a joke. I'm I'm not kidding. Um, you know, I, I think that would be the the idea is that they can try and hold some of that money for R and D to try and, you know, get a little closer to the front more frequently. But yeah, I mean this was a big win for Clements, right? You know, he got the one win at Road America and you know, he had a stretch of good road races after that. He kind of fizzled out and you know, we haven't really heard much of Jeremy Clements since he's I feel like he's always pretty frequently around the top 10, maybe a little further back, but we don't normally see him as driver finishing in the top 10. We don't normally hear about him being in the playoffs, you know, is kind of there, right? Um, but he's likable. People like his story. People like him. Um, and, and for him to go out and, and win on one of NASCAR's biggest stages and biggest tracks, uh, at Daytona is massive for that team, right? I, I don't, you know, I don't necessarily know that that is a playoff push that is going to push them really deep into the, like, I, I just, it's not going to happen for them, right? Um, they're, they're just not where they need to be to contend for the championship compared to the likes of Ty Gibbs, Junior Motorsports, and their biggest competitors. Um, it, it's definitely an opportunity for them to get a lot of attention, a lot of potential sponsorship for uh, the rest of the season, next season, I don't know what their uh, sponsorship situation is, but it, it's really good to see that amount of smaller drivers, especially think about some of those drivers, right? You mentioned Brandon Brown's been having some sponsorship issues. He's been in and out of the car, uh, or maybe not yet been in and out of the car, but he was supposed to be out of the car um, for a few races. And, you know, you have, uh, Ryan Vargas, he's been out of the car and he's been very open on uh, social media about how hard it, it's been for him. Um, and he's, you know, he's kept his head down. He's been respectful of the decisions made, uh, over there at that organization. And, you know, I think for a number of drivers to walk away with a finish like this was almost as good as winning for them. And to see 
that level of graciousness and appreciation for you know a finish that might have been sixth or seventh or eighth or whatever uh, is really rare i feel like you don't really get a lot of guys who you know they fight and they claw and they finish top 10 and it's like my god that was basically as good as winning um you know it it, it was it was a long race i feel like both races a really high attrition rate uh we saw austin hill yeah he had that problem was able to get back to the front after crunching that nose up on pit road he was a player uh and i would expect him to be a player when they go back to talladega um where he arguably should have won last time uh no gregson really good plate racer he was up at the front there he got uh wrecked too it just seems like like i don't, I don't know if i have a little harder time attributing this to the win in your in system this is not the uh the regular season finale for the xfinity series they're still gonna have a handful of weeks and a handful of races to make things happen but it is you know in some sense daytona is still that last chance for a lot of drivers where it's their last opportunity to really have a say and a shot to get into uh the playoffs i think maybe you know phil you mentioned the the mentality is maybe a little hypocritical because you know we saw austin dillon who's been really far back in points he wins he's in the playoffs and a lot of people aren't really happy about it and and jeremy clements is really all that different you know he's not been running the best this year he's a little bit farther back in points he's not in the playoffs on points but he wins and all of a sudden he's in and everybody's happy you know what what's the difference i think the difference really is the level of competition in the cup series this year we've seen a lot of different winners but we've also seen the drivers who can be consistent right logano has been on a pretty consistent streak lately uh chase elliott had those few weeks where he was one two one two one you know back and forth reddick's run really good you're right we know the drivers who are really capable of running really good and that playoff field quite honestly is a little bit watered down because you have so you have four more cars right you have four more spots but also with cup you have a lot of drivers who run every week every single week xfinity you're less likely to find that there are uh you know ever since i feel like the cup drivers were told you know you can't run full-time i feel like the number of part-timers and the amount of in and out of the cars uh, in the Xfinity series has, I mean, maybe doubled or tripled uh, in in that time since they imposed those restrictions. And uh, and there's nothing wrong with that. But I think that's probably where it comes from is that, you know, in Cup, you really do want the best of the best out there because you know who the best of the best are because they run every single week, right? In Xfinity, you don't have guys who run every single week, right? Think about the 18 car this year, right? Bubba's been in there. Sammy Smith has been in there. Uh there's been a, a few drivers kind of in and out of that 18 car and you know the car is good but it's still you know the drivers really aren't that good and you know they're not going to be in playoff contention and you know maybe from that because you have less actually competitive drivers on the week to week you know you're a little probably a little more open to seeing a driver who especially runs the full season um on such a low budget probably a little bit more open to being able to watch that happen um i think also i part of that probably comes from you know people may not take the xfinity series as seriously because maybe they don't follow it as much uh, or as seriously I, I think probably for for us that may not be the case but um I, I think it really boils down to a difference in mentality hopefully this race if anything proves to be a great shot in the arm for some of those little teams whether it's you know uh they go and find some sponsors they you know find a little bit of momentum that I are going to 
for Clements, maybe it carries him through a little bit of the playoffs, but for the other teams who aren't going to qualify, you know, maybe it's something they can take back home and build on, uh, with whatever driver is going to be in their car. Um, you know, there's a lot of opportunity that comes from that. And there's a lot of attention that comes from, uh, this race in particular. So uh, it, it's definitely good. I don't know. I was really tired. I, I'm really blanking out on a lot of what actually happened during the race. I wanted to go to bed, um, which is weird. I never want to go yeah. to bed until like 2 a.m. <laughs> yeah, Josh, you probably remember that more. You probably have more to speak I, on. I, you, I didn't really have there. too much no, to I remember, speak on. I remember the race, too, before Josh. I, I mean, I was at a, a friend's house for a, a little uh, party, but um, I... I didn't really watch the Xfinity race. Like, um, we were kind of just sitting around and talking, and I pulled my phone out and uh, had like the last like ten laps or so of the Xfinity race. So I I was kind of checking in every now and then, and then you know I ended up kind of seeing the finish there on my phone, but I wasn't really you know watching too much of it. Um, but I mean the you know I think you know you talked about the exposure it gives to the smaller teams. Uh, in this series, you know, Jeremy Clements, of course, not only does he get into the playoffs, but, you know, being in the playoffs brings that level of uh, prestige, uh, you know, to that team, you know, regardless of, you know, how they actually perform. The fact that they're a playoff team, they get extra media exposure leading up into it, into the Xfinity playoffs. And then, of course, you know, the first three weeks, they'll be talked about a lot on uh, NBC and get that coverage. Uh, so that'll help their team get a little bit more exposure to potential sponsors that they can potentially sell themselves to um, and get secured funding, of course, get more employees and stuff like that. So that's a good thing. Um, you know, and I think the same thing goes for the other teams, uh, you know, especially guys like Timmy Hill, Sage Karam, Ryan Vargas. Those guys, you know, are either, you know, uh, going to be Xfinity ver- veterans where, you know, they're trying to make careers in stock car racing. Um, and that gives them exposure to, uh, sponsorship as well. Um, so, you know, there's a, a lot that, um, benefits from a, a small team getting a super speedway top 10, um, that they can potentially help themselves be better on the, on the other racetracks, uh, moving forward. But, you know, I think, um, points wise as well, um, you know, I, I think, you know, the, you, you talked about the, uh, the cup rule where, you know, with their cup drivers can only run a certain amount of races now, uh, in this series. And, um, I think, you know, that, that does affect the quality of the field to a certain extent. Um, cause now you have the, uh, Xfinity drivers kind of racing against each other most of the time. And that includes this race. Well, um, there, you know, there really wasn't any cup drivers, uh, in this race outside of Ricky Stenhouse, uh, and, uh, Ty Gibbs, I guess is now a cup driver in Asia Almond year. Um, there, you know, there's not really any cup drivers racing, uh, Xfinity or uh truck at Daytona now, obviously for injury reasons. Um, so you, you know, it kind of leads to a lack of depth here and, you know, that you kind of see, uh, a different style of racing play out because, um, you know, you don't have, um, a lot of the cup drivers that know how to restrict your players. And, um, you know, you, uh, have extended guys that are inexperienced at drafting and, and don't really know when, when to make the moves that they need to make at the end of the race. And, um, you know, the point of saying that is, well, um, it kind of, leads to um like the the top guys like AJ Allmendinger, or Algaier, Gregson who um who've been around for a while uh and know how to uh uh 
plate race and how to draft and things like that. Um, so the the top of the standings, you know, the guys that are top of the standings, you know, they they had a lot of experience over the years and they're able to kind of control the race uh, a lot more than some of the you know these backmarker teams that end up there. But then of course, you know, on the other flip side of it, uh, level of aggression leads up and you know the guys that know what they're doing you know they you know maybe do a little bit too much and you know they don't really um uh you know they start taking a little bit more chances and take themselves out whereas guys at the bottom of the standings you know the you know bottom half of the field you know they're trying to preserve their cars because you know that it's like the only car that they've got yeah uh and so, you know, when you only have like one or two cars in the shop, you got to preserve it and, you know, they can race a little bit more conservatively. And then towards the end, once the th- the fields thin themselves out, you know, then they can go there and try to secure a top 10 finish or possibly go for the win uh, there. Um, but, you know, on, on the other hand of that, you know, you have drivers that are trying to make the playoff standings right now, um, like uh, uh, Jeremy Clements, who's now locked himself in. I mean, other, other guys that could have won um, – that may have had a shot, you know, Brandon Brown, who could have uh, made it in. He's 15th in the standings right now, could have made it in with this win. Uh, Anthony Alfredo uh, is decently good at you know, super speedway racing. And, you know, Sheldon Creed, of course, had that issue with his chassis that they're probably going to be looking at later when he crashed. Um, all those drivers, uh, you know, really good at or can be good at uh, super speedway racing um, and um, have been there at the end in the past or have had opportunities to go out and win. Of course, you know, they, they have to try to do things, uh, to get up to the front or to lead or whatever. And, um, you know, they, or get taken out, uh, in, in another thing that puts more pressure on them in the following weeks to try to make something happen. So, um, you know, I think for, you know, a guy like Sheldon Creed getting eliminated from this race, um, you know, just a top 10 alone, I think would have been helpful not getting crashed out, um, they would have been able to maybe close the gap or or uh, get closer to uh, Ryan Sieg, who's 12th in the standings. So, uh, you know, I think Sheldon Creed potentially could, uh, you know, the following weeks, you know, he could come out with a win or something like that at some of these, uh, you know, later racetracks that are coming up before the Xfinity playoffs or uh, ends up, you know, this was his best chance. So, um, you know, I think uh, for this series, um, it's, it's a lot easier to tell, you know, who – who are the contenders when it, and you know, who can make things happen at, at this type of race and uh, a super speedway race, uh, you know, compared to maybe the cup series where there's a, you know, a whole lot more volatility and uh, a lot more depth uh, in the field. And that's what makes it what it is. And I mean, both you guys had great points in regards to uh, Jeremy Clements going in that victory and how it lands relative to what we're dealing with on the cup side. Uh, now that we have a playoff field there, um, I mean, there's what two races to go in the uh, Xfinity Series season before they get to their playoff. They're gonna or three races actually: Darlington, Kansas, and Bristol. Their first playoff race will be at Texas, uh, of all places, and then Texas, Talladega, and the Charlotte Roval. That is quite a random combination of races for sure um you know and uh that's something to see how that all lands out there uh i mean you have fuel mileage even though with the stages it kind of goes away it's still a long third stage at kansas but pace wise you're gonna figure it's gonna be the junior motorsports gibbs 
uh, you know, the big, big time teams. Darlington is a very short, one of the shortest races they have all year. Um, and so, I mean, Ryan Ellis is running a Jeff Gordon 2001 theme on his car. So credit to him. Uh, this weekend, there's only 38 cars for 38 spots, so nobody's going to fail to qualify there. Bristol's going to be a little harder, so that's um, something that we will see here. Three races to go for them, and then um, what goes on with that. So uh, right now, trying to go and switch over here. We'll go and change it up a little bit to um, some of the news that took place this week. So Eric Almirola will be coming back at least for two years uh, with in the 10 car. It seems like him and uh, Blickensdurfer are getting along well, even though they missed the playoffs. But they'll be back together doing their thing in the Smithfield Ford number 10. Uh, I think a lot of us thought Ryan Priest was going there. But now I guess things are lining up to where Ryan Priest is waiting on when Kevin Harvick decides to quit um, and he'll get the four car which is a lot of pressure for him. But to be honest, I guess he think I, I, I figure the way he's built and the way he carries himself, he's ready for that energy. Now he has to convince the sponsors that Kevin Harvick has right now, like uh, Bush, the Anheuser-Busch company and um, Jimmy John's and all the other ones that they should sponsor him uh, to take over for a guy who's a legend. Uh, that That's tough, but something we will see. Uh, Eric Almirola is going to be back. Uh, Kyle Busch. I, I, and that's the question. I, I figure, I mean, Greg Zipidelli said that for all intents and purposes, uh, what's his name? Um, Custer is going to be back in the 41 car. Custer's, what, 27, 28th in points in the Cup Series right now. And um, he's generally been irrelevant all year. Um, he is 25th in points, my fault. Uh, but let's, I'm going to put a preface here on 25th in points. Michael McDowell and Brad Keselowski both had enormous penalties based on whatever different issues with the car. So essentially, he'd be 27th. Um, he'd be behind Harrison Burton, who's a rookie. Todd Gilliland is behind him. Ty Dillon, who's about to lose his job anyway. Corey LaJoy and Cody Ware. So amongst regulars, he'd be one, two, three, four. He'd be the fifth worst driver in the Cup Series. And you have an opportunity to get Kyle Busch. Essentially, you'd be his salary would probably be a little less, but you can go and get Kyle Busch. To me, if I'm Gene Haas, you decided to get Kurt Busch, what was it, eight years ago on the same pretense, but there's way more that comes to Kyle. Because not only do you get Kyle Busch, his energy drink, all the different businesses he is, Kyle Busch at the end of the day is a better driver than his older brother. That's just proven and statistically that's what it is. You get the fact that you can get Kyle Busch Motorsports into the fold combine them with David Gillen racing and make a Ford driver development program that could be insane. You have Kyle Busch with Tony Stewart and Kevin Harvick, who are three of the biggest names in motorsport and three of the biggest names over the past 20 years in NASCAR. And you put them together. How the hell does that not make sense to me? How the hell, do, or I mean, it makes sense to me. How does that not make sense? How does that not work? business-wise. Since Gene Haas is willing to waste millions and billions of dollars running in Formula One, Formula One and not being relevant, 
running in this series and your driver's 25th in points and you're funding it out of your pocket, it's basically pocket change. When you're a billionaire, I guess it doesn't matter. Or multimillionaire, it doesn't matter because you don't have to pay taxes because of all the goddamn loopholes that exist in our in our tax code. But it doesn't sound like that's going to happen. It sounds like Kyle Busch is going to be back at Toyota, which is to be, for all intents and purposes, and David Wilson's thoughts on during this weekend at Daytona basically speaks to that fact. Or he's going to Chevy. Now, where would he go at Chevy? There's really two options when it comes to I mean, there's three. One is colleague, which everybody been talking about for a while because Matt Collig is a businessman. He's a he's a guy who's willing to do dice rolls. He 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 wants the big hit. He wants the big the big catch. That's the perfect combination, honestly. Because Matt Collig's got money to give him. He could give him a contract, but he also wants to know that it'll fit his spot. Will Kyle Busch assimilate into the Collig realm? That's the biggest question. The money of being able to fund Kyle Busch and put him in a cup car and do what he has to do is not an issue because colleagues been able to find money and he has his own businesses and all these guys, he could, Kyle can go and put his energy drink on the car and all that. That's there. I mean, I guess Celsius, there might be some issues with that and maybe some, but that's something that we may or may not know. RCR is the other one. You're losing you're losing your big dog in Tyler Reddick. Austin's going to keep his ride no matter what even though he sucks. I mean, I he won on Sunday, but he still sucks and he's 4 feet tall and his That's the uh, reality TV fit for yeah. Kyle Busch if he wants to go make a career in reality TV. Uh, yeah, I mean his wife wants one. I mean his wife wants to have a reality TV gig. I mean, when they originally met, she had enormous bolt-ons and and then her tits were a foot ahead of her, but you know, and she got her her college degree or got her master's and all that, and then had some illness issues, and then trying to make a kid and all that, and got rid of them titties. And um, but RCR, if they really want relevancy, if they're not going to sell off the June bug, which I think is the best option to be honest, you go and have Kyle Busch in the fold, which is essentially the closest thing we've had to Dale Earnhardt since Dale Earnhardt. And based on our listenership, nobody's going to be going and getting in an uproar if because I said that, but it's the truth. Um, Kyle Busch is the closest thing to Dale Earnhardt we've had since Dale Earnhardt in regards to driving ability, being an asshole, and driving through people. So um, he would be the perfect fit for the 31. They should renumber that goddamn car. It bothers me that it's the 8 car. It makes no sense that it's the 8 car. It would be the 31 car. The 8 car is... Just random, but to me, it's Junior. But which, in its own right, if Junior was taking over the team, okay, fine. You have the three and the eight. It's perfect. It's family lineage and symmetry. But the eight car makes no sense for that team. It should be the thirty-one car. That or I mean, they can't do two in the Cup Series, but twenty-one they can't do in the Cup Series either. But thirty-one works. It should be a thirty-one car. Uh, there's good years. They had good times there. With that, hopefully they'll do that when Austin Hill takes that car over, if it's Austin Hill. But, Joe, there's a lot of news. I'll let you go over it because you are the journalist. You are the one that covers the sport, and there's a lot of news topics. So you give your thoughts on it, and, Josh, you can go and give your thoughts on everything that went on this past weekend and what it may mean for 
things as we get on the rest of this year and into 2023. All right. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't know who decided that this week was going to be a great week to start blowing everything up. But, yeah, a lot happening both on the the actual hard news side as well as the speculation side. So um, we'll start with some of the hard news. Uh, the first, and I think probably the fan favorite announcement, honestly, that came out of this weekend was the fact that Craftsman is back, right? Uh, we found out earlier this year that Camping World was no longer going to be the title sponsor. Uh, they have sponsored uh, the series since 2009 in some capacity. They did a few years where uh, Marcus Lemonis wanted to switch it to uh, the Gander Outdoor and RV Truck Series um, before replacing it with uh, Camping World again. So they have been around ever since Craftsman left, uh, and now we're getting Craftsman again. I'll be honest, um, I... Based off of what I was hearing, I wasn't shocked, uh, and I think only because I had been hearing that Craftsman was possibly in on these talks, um, you know, I have seen, they have definitely, I remember when I was a kid, you'd go into the series at the mall over here, and there was an entire section of Craftsman tools, circa 2000. Seven, eight, nine, and you know they fell out of the sport. And oh nine was the first year of the Camping World Truck Series, and uh, you know you get to you know the early 2010s, maybe around 2013, 14. I don't ever remember seeing Craftsman at that point. They just fizzled out. Um, over the past few years, I have noticed Stanley Black and Decker, the parent company, they've put a lot of money into sponsoring cars. Uh, most notably, Christopher Bell has had some sponsorship from them. He, uh, Denny Hamlin had Craftsman on for a few races. Uh, they then began words and Suarez. Yeah, yeah. I man, I forgot about that. That's totally yeah. Um, they were this when Edwards had his deal with Aris, which was Suarez's sponsor. Uh, they it was the Aris car, and then they had Stanley Black and Decker on the car. That's like when. When he went and moved Kyle at Richmond a few years yeah. ago, he had a Stanley car. Yeah, or, it was, spec- um, or no, it was an Xfinity car. But he had Stanley cars and he won. In the- yeah, but yeah, specifically with with the uh, with the Craftsman brand, I noticed it's really been in the last like two to three years. And they they've put some money into Haley Deegan this year. They've sponsored multiple races uh, with Deegan, and, and so it, it it's funny. I feel like in some sense. We're in this part, this time in our sport where there are so many new things. We are going to so many new tracks. We are trying these things we've never tried before, right? A few years ago, you would have told me NASCAR is going to race on a quarter mile in the Los Angeles Memorial Coliseum. I would have laughed at you, and I don't know what I would have done after, but I probably would have laughed for a good while, right? Or if you told me we were going to run a street course, I probably would have laughed at you. And look, now both of those things are happening in back-to-back years. At the same time, there is this almost resurgence of history that's happening, right? Think about it. In the past few years, we've gotten two Darlington races for the first time in almost 15 years. We've got all these beautiful throwback paint schemes to pay tribute to the past. We're getting North Wilkesboro back, not necessarily for NASCAR, but it, it's that's not really the point. It's the point of getting that piece of track that piece of history that piece of racing history that track had been around for so long it was on the cusp of getting eaten up by nature and we got it back and uh, largely in in peace with with dale jr and marcus smith um and now again here's something we're getting you know what what is old is new again right the craftsman truck series so it's really exciting i know it's like 
it, it's kind of silly to work get worked up about it, but it's really exciting to see the sponsorship interest for Craftsman to come out from Black and Dan uh Black and Decker uh to to come out and and say, "Hey, we're going to invest this money because we see the potential," right? I think it probably worried a lot of people. Uh you know, there were a lot of knocks on the Fox coverage. Marcus Smith started getting involved with SRX, and I think there was probably a lot of worry that this was going to happen. Um, and you know, it, I think got to a point where it was inevitable. Marcus Smith came out and said, Hey, this is the deal. And, um, you know, we, I remember when monster signed on after sprint left, I don't think we knew the series title name, uh, until the new year. So to have something locked down this early is a really healthy sign uh, for that series where I think there maybe have been some concerns, uh, moving away from craftsmen. We were also told that Daniel Suarez is going to return to Trackhouse for 2023. Now, this is a one-year contract. Um, you know, I kind of don't like that move of just being a one-year contract. He won a race earlier this season. I know over time, contracts have gotten a lot shorter and shorter to the point where we're now really kind of signing between one and three years. Uh, for the most part, you know, I know some of the bigger names uh, and some of the People who sell a lot of merchandise are getting these really long deals. Chase Elliott is signed through whatever 2026 or seven or something, and Napa is signed with that team through 2027 or eight. Um, but you know, it, it it's good good for him. Um, he has been one of the drivers who nobody's really discussed uh, with contract year. I don't know if maybe they've kind of had something on lock. If this was an option, I feel like if it was an option that would have been disclosed, but uh, regardless of whatever happened, Suarez is going to be back with that team. That's a great sign. He has uh, definitely had a much healthier career over there. It's been visible in his attitude. It's been visible, especially this year in his driving on the track. Um, you know, he's someone who I'm looking for to continue to grow and to continue to you know, gain and be a little more consistent to the point where maybe we can see him run very similarly to how he ran with the Gibbs cars back in the Xfinity series in 2015-2016. So that's really exciting for him. A little bit of crew chief news, Greg Ives is going to depart from the number 48 team following this season. He did mention he will still have a role in racing. I do believe he actually mentioned it will be uh, just that He's going to be at Hendrick, not in a crew chief role. He was an engineer with Hendrick and JRM for a really long time uh, in Cup and Xfinity, respectively. He was the crew chief for Chase Elliott back in 2014 when Elliott won three races and the championship. He was then promoted, did uh, crew chiefing in 2015, 16, and 17 with Dale Earnhardt Jr. uh, and Alex Bowman during that time as well. Alex Bowman was filling in a lot of the races in 16. Um, you know, so he, he did a handful of seasons with, uh, crew chiefing over there, uh, stayed on with the 88 team when Alex Bowman came on full time in 2018, 19, 20, uh, stayed with Bowman when they moved to the 48 last year in 21 and for this year in 22, honestly, his track record is like, it's not super great. You look, look at the ex- years and the engineering years and yeah, those track records are great. But as far as once he actually moved in a cup, he had the one good year with junior and yes, he and Bowman definitely had a great year last year, and they had a good 2020 playoffs. But for the most part, you know, I, I think Alex Bowman, it, you know, he, he's kind of been the uh, redheaded stepsister of that group, of the Hendrick Motorsports group, and they, they really do need to find better consistency. I don't, I, I don't pin that 100% on Greg Ives, but a crew chief 
in that situation, regardless of who they are, whether it's Chad Knauss, Ray Enverham, I don't care who you are, you do need to take some of that responsibility. It is part of your job. I know you're not the one driving the car, but it is ultimately you have one of the biggest hands in the pot when you're making the cars. So uh, no crew chief has been announced to replace. Personally, if I had to take a guess, Noah Gregson is leaving the nine team in Xfinity to go over and uh, run the 42 next year. Justin Alexander, is that name right? I feel I like I'm Justin Alexander is at RCR. I, Justin Alexander is no. in the three car. Um, who the hell's the guy at the? Isn't it Mike Bum or? No, 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 no. I, I think it is Justin Alexander because I know he used to crew chief with Austin it, Dillon. Yeah, Jayski. Um, see, I didn't know something, and now everybody's googling. It comes in handy, Doctor Google. It's Luke Lambert. Ah, Luke yeah. Lambert. Okay, so Luke Former Lambert was crew chief of the thirty-one car. Newman, right? Okay, so I had the wrong driver then because Alexander at one point uh, was yeah he was doing with uh, with three car, but yeah. So I would I would I could honestly see him. Because uh, Luke Lambert does have some cup experience over there with RCR. I could see him getting uh, promoted and, and possibly going up and crew chiefing with Alex Bowman. You know, it'll take some time, right? They're going to have to figure some things out. The chemistry, the communication between those two uh, would be something major. That would just be my guess. That's pure speculation. Uh, but to me, it makes sense. Uh, probably the last thing that uh, I'll say that was really, like really hard news before I kind of get into some of the more speculating stuff. Zane Smith is going to return to front row in 2023. He's going to race across the board in the three major series. So uh, he will be full-time trucks. That will still be his points series where he won the regular season championship this year. He's also going to run select Xfinity series races. It was not mentioned with what team. Uh, Front Row Motorsports does not have an Xfinity team. I don't imagine they'll be opening one for this. Um, And then he's going to make select cup starts, including an attempt to begin the Daytona 500 at the start of the year, uh, most likely in the 36 car, because I don't believe they're getting uh, Gilliland or McDowell out of their cars in cup. So uh, that's really exciting for him. You know, I... I, I was kind of thinking maybe he was someone because I do believe he's got some history with JRM, uh, maybe late models. Um, I was kind of thinking maybe that's somebody that Junior wanted to pounce on to replace Noah Gregson in the nine car. Um, so, you know, Zane Smith, uh, it, it, he he was good with GMS, right? He finished very well in the playoffs both times, uh, made Final Four twice in two years. He has been great with front row they've lost some of their momentum and their head of steam that they had earlier this season now that they're a few races deep in the playoffs but they're definitely a championship caliber team that's no question i think having the xfinity and cup starts as well help gain more experience i think that'll help him in trucks and i think you'll see he'll be someone who can elevate that front row team to the next level uh almarola you know his his deal we know is two years with smithfield um, Phil, I kind of agree with you what, with what you had mentioned. You know, you have Gene Haas, this multimillionaire who, I, I mean, he he paid basically for most of Kurt's years over there. Um, and then he paid for a year for Suarez. You know, he, he's invested a lot of money in a racing. And, you know, I, I feel like it's, it's, just, it's weird to me. I, I don't, to me, I would have to, I, to get Kyle Busch on my team if I were Gene Haas. I probably would have told Custer, you need to go back to Xfinity. You're not winning. You, you I mean, you, you backed into a win for the most part is what happened at Kentucky because you had a good restart late. Al Marola, 
you know, he kind of made his decision. It sounded like, and then maybe kind of un, you know, unmade a decision because of, uh, he, he found some balance. Um, I would have pushed really hard if I were him and if I were Tony Stewart as well, because, uh, they possibly lost Larson because Ford wouldn't let, uh, Stewart pursue after the incident in 2020. So, you know, I would not want to lose another talent like that to, anyone i don't care if it's a small team a big team whoever i wouldn't want to lose another talent an opportunity like that kyle will sell somebody will sponsor him and worse comes to worse if you know he's got some open races throw a hot car right try and get smithfield to throw them some money for some sponsorship for kyle i would have rather them sold a charter had almirola retire and custer go back to xfinity to get kyle in that car because i think that would be better for Stuart Haas racing short-term and long-term than having both of those drivers back. Having um, three I'll, drivers instead of four consolidating your team, only having the one Xfinity program right now, that makes yeah. a lot of sense. I, I agree with you. Um, I, I, I just, to me, that would have been the better business decision. Now, it's totally possible there's something behind the scenes and the inner workings that would have further restricted Bush from going to that team uh, than what everybody knows. So, you know, I, I won't be, uh, pretend to be an expert like that, but, um, to me, it's, it's weird that all of a sudden, you know, a few weeks ago we hear Almirola is interested in returning and, you know, Custer, we were all kind of wondering what's up. And now we both, we know that both of these drivers are back. Um, I, I really just, I, to me, okay, Gene, you, you, you do you. Um, I'd love to know Stewart's thoughts. I'd love to know what, what, he was thinking because he, I know he would be honest about it. And I'd imagine he probably wants Kyle, but so yeah, it seems like right now the, the big three teams are, are going to be Joe Gibbs or 2311. So I guess two Joe Gibbs, 2311 for Toyota or Chevrolet, uh, where he would go to RCR or Carly, like you mentioned, um, Phil though, I, I actually, I disagree with what you said. I don't think he's going to stay at Toyota. I think he's going to go to a colleague. I really do. And here's why. So Joe Gibbs, clearly, if Joe Gibbs was flexible on the sponsorship price, this deal would have already been done. It would have been done months ago when Oracle said, hey, we'll throw you money to sponsor that 18 car next year. That deal fell through most likely because of some internal working on Joe Gibbs end where he said, hey, we want X. And then Oracle dropped, right? It, Which also not fits gonna... with with Martin Truex Jr., who has all his sponsors that he's been bringing across the table for like twenty years, which is Bass Pro That's Shops yeah. and the like. But he, outside of Bass Pro Shops and um, the sponsors he brought from the seventy eight car, he's true, getting yeah. sponsors he needs. They don't have all the races filled. Oracle would have been a sponsor at $25 million because they're sponsored Red Bull in Formula One, the Red Bull Formula One team, which is going to win a world championship, um, which is make me puke, but whatever. They're the main sponsor, title sponsor for the Red Bull Formula One team. They got money to burn. They have $30 yeah, million. No, absolutely. They may not see the market value in, right? Because they're not involved in NASCAR really in any capacity, especially like they're involved with F1, right? Where they're on uh, two cars over there, the team cars for Red Bull. So it's definitely possible it was Oracle. But to me, based off of things that Kyle was saying earlier in the season, hearing about the $25 million, hearing about, you know, maybe it's not been so flexible and also seeing the body language 
right? I mean, think about Kyle Busch this weekend. I saw Kyle Busch with smiles on his face. I don't rem- I don't really know other than winning the last time I saw him smile. And he was separated from Gibbs, right? Physically separated. At Pocono, you know, Gibbs came and patted him on the back and Kyle didn't even bat an eye. To me, there's something else going on over there. And I would find it really hard to say that Gibbs and Bush are going to be back together. The reason I rule out 2311 is because if Toyota was so truly intent on keeping Kyle Busch, they would have pitched money in. And it would be known that they would they would be willing to sponsor Kyle himself. Their logo is going to be on his car. That has not happened, right? We've seen with Chevrolet when they sponsor drivers. We've seen with Ford when they ha- uh, have some sponsorship with some drivers. A little less common with Ford. But Toyota, that hasn't really been a thing. How desperate are they to keep Kyle? To me, if they're not willing to throw some sponsorship... They're not desperate enough uh, to where I would believe Kyle would stay with Toyota. So now we have the talk of, okay, we have RCR and we have Colleg. RCR, it seems at this point, will keep Reddick for 2023. They don't have an additional charter. And, you know, with the likes perhaps of Junior maybe doing something, and again, it's not confirmed, with the likes of Junior maybe trying to do something, maybe they try and have a, a joint venture for a few years, maybe Junior just buys out the entire team. Um it would seem a little less likely, not because I think Junior would be against it, but because once Reddick leaves, I would feel like a a driver who's already with Chevrolet and possibly already with JRM would more likely ascend to that seat than Kyle Busch. Matt Colleg, I think, wants his truck team. He has been open about wanting to expand. He mentioned IMSA, I believe he mentioned maybe GT, and he had said something about trucks at one point. What's his name? His, um... What's his? I forget who's uh, Chris guy Rice. Who, Chris Rice said, "Oh, we want to expand into trucks. We want to expand into IMSA. Well, trucks is Kyle Busch because it, if it wasn't for Kyle go. Busch Motorsports, if it wasn't for Kyle Busch Motorsports and a couple other in the Dorsons and a couple other people, the truck series would be dead. The GT series. Oh, Kyle Busch ran a Lexus." uh in the rolex 24 he was part of the 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 um vassar sullivan team at the rolex 24 so oh conveniently oh we want to expand into which means oh we want to get a corvette because we want to be og like that which even hendrick hasn't done that oh matt colleagues like yeah i want to call doug feehan and whoever the hell's at GM, yeah, we want one of them Corvettes. We want to run it in GTD because we have a guy in AJ Allmendinger who's an OG. I mean, they really, sh- I mean, the problem is with Colleague, fuck the GT. Put AJ Allmendinger in a prototype car, even though he's getting fat. His midsection, like he's like Juan Pablo Montoya. He's let it go. Same way as I let it go, but the difference is those guys are like athletic and they're legitimate great race car drivers. I've let myself go because I'm never going to be athletic and I'm just a bowler. Those guys are good. Um, they have, a as the freaking kettle's going off, the fact is they could call Juan Pablo Montoya and his son Sebastian Montoya, have AJ Allmendinger as their third driver and run a Cadillac prototype in the GTP category. They'd have something there. Nobody, I mean, the Corvette thing's fine. That's great. Whatever. It doesn't matter. You're not going to win overall. AJ Allmendinger wants to win overall. And that's a- AJ Allmendinger and Matt Colleg or BFFs. 
the reality is, like, I was thinking about this too recently. If AJ Allmendinger was running for cup points, he would have been in the mix to actually yeah. make the playoff. He would have been way better than Justin Haley. He would have been way better than a lot of these guys. He could have won himself into this playoff, and he would have been a contender. Yeah. Because yeah. that 16 car has been better than the 31 car this year, even though the 31 car has the stability of the full season. They have, um, what's his name, Trent Owens, who's been suspended, I think, at least twice this year. And Trent Owens is one of the best crew chiefs. And Trent Owens, another guy you guys, Junior, wanted. He didn't get him. I don't know how, but he didn't get him. Um, the the His, his um, stepfather is the great Barry Dodson. I mean, the reality is Trent Owens is one of the best crew chiefs. He won for Eric Almirola at Daytona years ago, too. And, and don't forget, in particular to that 16 car, the only reason that that's a chartered car with a full-time, uh, you know, week-to-week week is because there's three drivers in there. One of those drivers is not going to be there next year. Oh, Gregson's out. He's going to the 42. To me, this is a great way to get your truck team to potentially have the money to now uh, run trucks, one Xfinity, run Cup, maybe dump some money into expanding in the next two years into some of your other non-NASCAR ventures. You get a great driver. The sponsors will be there. Matt Colleague, he'll he'll negotiate something. He'll find something. You do have Rowdy. You do have Celsius, and that may be a problem. But I think for Kyle Busch, it can be overcome, right? The level of talent that you would be getting, I mean, he'll win you a race. It may not be immediate. He'll win you something. And, you know, knowing now that you don't even have to buy a second charter, right? You could just put him in the 16, right? Put Kyle in the 16. You can have Haley or whoever run the second car. Everybody else back to Xfinity. And maybe if AJ wants to venture out and he's still in Xfinity, he can run those GT3s, right? So to me, there's a lot to gain for Colleague if Kyle Busch is at your team. So if I'm Matt Colleague, I want Kyle Busch. And it almost seems like based on the rumors, Matt Colleague is the one who wants Kyle Busch the most. That may not correlate to anything. That may end up being something. But uh, only time will tell. But I would have to imagine something's got to get announced soon because to me, it seems like this talk has affected Kyle's performance. Um, you know, I know he won a stage this week. He crashed yeah, out. He's admitted Michigan, that but, that it's a distraction. Yeah. So if if I'm Kyle, I want to get this thing squared up as soon as possible so I can go race for a championship. I'll tell you right now, on the bracket, I have him out after the round of 12. So if he announces something, oh, maybe really? that changes. Interesting. <laughs> something that wow. we have to go, we have to go over later. <laughs> Oops. No, I mean, it's a good, it's a good uh, um, transition into later. But, I mean, you know, in my opinion, I think, you know, you're right about colleague. I was something I was thinking about what you're talking is um, colleague you know, gets Kyle Busch and then they also will get Kyle Busch Motorsports and um not sure how the logistics of the you know the business side of that will work out. Will you know they just absorb uh Kyle Busch Motorsports and become colleague racing or you know Kyle Busch Motorsports in the uh truck series and then Bush has like some some type of equity or is it you know similar to you know how Dale Jr. when he went to Hendrick, uh Hendrick became partner in uh the uh Xfinity operation with Junior Motorsports, and you know they uh, gave them more resources. So Josh randomly dropped out there. I'm just going to give him a second to. Gosh, what are you doing? I don't know what. I don't know what you did there. I didn't. I did not do anything. It's like Discord like just crashed on me. Your 
and your video isn't showing, so your sound yeah, is I, on. I can't see either. Oh, You're wow. back. This is uh, very loading. There we go. We Somehow or another, I had Joe blocked when before we ever start started. I had you blocked like both visually and audio before you ever got on, which is the reason why it didn't work. But, oh, um, I don't know what happened there, but uh, that was a uh, do your thing. Yeah, no, it's it's back now, but and it just like all of a sudden just restarted or an update like applied or something. I no idea, but um, what I was saying though is like. You know, look at, you know, because I think Kyle Busch is going to be the hottest free agent in NASCAR since Dale Jr. back in 2007. And, you know, there's a lot of options for Jr. Could he gone to Gibbs, uh, Richard Childers Racing, and then Hendrick came along and picked him up. So this is a little bit of a similar deal, although, you know, Colleague is not as, uh, you know, it's not a legacy team like, you know, um, the other teams were for Jr. back in 2007. So uh, for, you know, for Kyle Busch, opportunity for someone else to be become a partner in Cobbush Motorsports. He can continue to expand and grow uh, his program down there and then also have some maybe have some type of equity into the team, uh, whatever shape or form or ownership or something like that. Um, and then, you know, uh, allows Los Cobbush to run his truck team. You know, they have another Chevy has another pipeline for talent uh, in the truck series. Um, you know, then they they have more drivers there, and then also for his son, you know, because Bush said his plans for his son to be able to uh, start racing in the truck series when he's sixteen. So that'll I don't know when that'll be in like about eight or nine years from now, and then Bush will you know run for a couple more years uh, in the truck series until his son's like eighteen, and that'll be it uh, for him. Uh, I think racing period. So um, yeah, I think I think that's part of the. Uh, discussion there and i think yeah from that perspective yeah colleague colleague racing makes the most sense and everything i mean so that that's you know that's what it probably will look like i mean for the other teams um you know they may not have the the resources or the um the funding to be able to do it because you know uh, Stuart haas it's a super team but you know then maybe there's not as much maneuverability um as far as uh the the ownership goes and that may be more of a like a short-term deal or something like that whereas the colleague one gives you more of a long-term flexibility and you know the same thing with rcr they're um you know it seems like they're more on the consolidation side than they are on the expansion side uh right now um so you know i think um for that it makes more sense to go to uh to go to colleague racing for kyle bush so would expect that announcement to come soon probably probably by the end of the month and you know people say you know you guys are talking about like deals um usually would be happening right now they would have re-signed him and that's true but then it's also true that we have seen some late uh or early fall announcements you know like junior going to hendrick that didn't happen until like september or well actually it was june june 2007 when they made that announcement but i don't think they announced the the full 88 sponsorship platform and unveiling until like september 2007 if i remember correctly and then you know kyle bush wasn't announced as uh jgr until september 2007 uh you know that was during the charlotte race yeah probably around that area yeah Yeah. so there's there's lots of you know there's lots of background in announcing driver new driver lineups in the fall so you know that's something to consider for kyle bush and likely there and yeah i don't think there's gonna be any conflict with celsius and rowdy i think maybe maybe there might be enough sponsorship from rowdy where they can just like 
cut ties with Celsius and just take Rowdy. Um, maybe there's enough business there. I don't know. Um, cause they are kind of in the same platform, similar to how, um, Rowdy and monster couldn't be on the same team because monster and them compete in the same brand space and the same marketplace. So that might be something to think about, but I don't think it's a big issue at all. I'm just here for, um, Rico Abreu to get in a truck again, just cause he's my spirit animal, but that's beside the point. Go ahead. Yeah, that, that's true. I mean, we'll see if that ever does happen, but yeah, I think, you know, the other thing he brought up earlier, Daniel Suarez going to track house for 2023. And he talked about, it's only a one year deal. Right. But I do remember him saying that I think they had the new TV contract in mind with that one year deal where after the one year deal, they'll be able to renegotiate uh, and sign a, a better deal, maybe long term. And, you know, it's, it's just a one year, um, which is risky because, you know, things can happen and performance can drop off. And then they say, hey, we're not going to resign you or the one year deal happens. And then another team comes along and says, hey, we want to sign Daniel Suarez. Um, so there's a little bit of risk, of course, with only one year on, on both sides of that with, uh, track house and Daniel Suarez. But I think, yeah, the bigger, the bigger play and of course, with, uh, the amount of years on the deal, one year, two years, three years, uh, and beyond, I think the big catalyst, uh, for that is the, uh, TV deal. Whenever they figure out how to work that out, of course, there's, um, discussion of you know, how to distribute more money to the teams, how to you know, distribute more money back to the drivers to try to kind of reset the business model. Cause you know, of course um, the teams aren't maybe getting the best deal uh, when it comes to the, uh, the TV and advertising uh, side of things, uh, getting that, you know, kind of revenue sharing, like we see in other sports leagues. Uh, although, you know, this is a little bit different and uh, with NASCAR with, you know, most teams being uh, independent contractors and not, you know, actual franchises like uh, the other, uh, you know, teams in other sports leagues. So that's something to consider as well. Um, you know, so we'll have to, you know, we'll have to see how, how that deal plays out and you know, who the, um, the media outlets that would be covering NASCAR in the future. Um, you know, if they change uh, television providers or whatnot, if CBS comes back into the fold, if ESPN comes back into the fold, um, you know, things like that, you know, I'll just see. So, um, yeah, I think, I think that's all I thoughts I have. I mean, Greg Ives retiring and going back to, um, uh, I guess, you know, going to a desk job at Hendrick, it's probably a good move. Um, I mean, I think it was a decent crew chief. Um, you had that one good year with Dale Jr. in 2015 and then things kind of fell off from there. I think, um, you know, they had a good 16 to start out with until junior started crashing and eventually the, um, you know, eventually, you know, his concussions got to him and then wasn't really good after that. And was, you know, kind of decent with Alex Bowman, um, you know, until now, but yeah, I think, I think a lot of their, um, issues have been Hendrick overall falling off. Cause when Greg Ives came in to the 88 car, he was, he was good, but you know, Hendrick overall was good. And now it's still, there's still not the best team in Hendrick and they are recover or, you know, the team as a whole is a lot more successful, but, um, you know, still done a decent job. So, you know, we'll have to see who comes in to replace Alex Bowman or, well, maybe somebody might be replacing Alex Bowman, but who's going to replace the, yeah, possibly that too, but who's going to replace Greg Ives, uh, for the 48, 88 crew chief, uh, role there. Yeah. I mean, uh, when it comes to what Greg Ives did, I, I compare him a lot to, uh, Latart, but Latart, the difference that he had is he had Jeff Gordon still at the back end of his prime, 
blew one championship in 2007, which at the end of the day, when you consider what Jimmy Johnson and Chad Knauss were, I guess you can kind of throw it out. Um, uh, you know, Steve Letarte went and saved Dale Jr.'s career, and he had two great years in 14 and 15. And that's what essentially is what made him a TV guy. He's like, oh, shit. I just figured out a way to make the most popular driver. I gave him a career after all these years when he was irrelevant at Hendrick. I'm not going to do better than this. I'm going to go to TV. You know, like Larry McReynolds, God bless him. He's become a, quote, America's crew chief. Once, if you really dig into his his career after he left Robert Yates Racing in 1996, when he was part of Ernie Irvin's um, return after his horrendous crash, and he won two races, finished 10th in points. His career wasn't that great. The only thing he did was help Dale Earnhardt win the Daytona 500. But let's be fair. Dale Earnhardt could drive a freaking radio flyer around Daytona and win. Um, that's beside the point. I mean, I could have been, and I was, it was 1998, right? So I was 14 years old. I think so. Yeah, was it? Uh, 13? Yeah. Uh, yeah, 13. I could have crew chief Dale Earnhardt with that car, and I could have won him the Daytona 500. But the fact is, Larry McReynolds did all his work with the Robert Yates Racing Texas Avenue 28 car with Davey and Ernie. Did it with the 26 car with Ricky Rudd. Um, I think Brett Bodine as well. Yeah, he helped Brett Bodine win his one and only win there in 1990 but everybody remembers his time at ricky rudd and then he's like oh yeah i should go to tv and that was a good move it's the same thing as what steve latart did um greg ives is like yeah i've had this career it's good not great kind of is like wally dollenbach in that sense and he's like i'm still gonna have a job at hendrick motorsports if i want to do tv i can do it but it's like i can be home i can be with my family there's something to be said about that. I mean, him and Bowman haven't really done a whole lot. To be fair, him and Earnhardt didn't really do much after that first year. Ives was more a product of of Clyde. And I've always wondered, if he had went with Clyde and he was like, connected with him, what would have happened? Instead of Alan Gustafson being that guy because it was a 24 car and he was connected to him. Because the fact is, him and Elliot didn't do a whole lot for a few years. They didn't win. It, there was a long losing streak with Chase Elliott before he became what he is now. I was always of a, I, I would say this on the show, like I wonder if Greg Ives and Chase were together, would that have been better than him and Alan Gustafson? Because the fact is Gustafson would have been moved somewhere along the line. He might've been with, he might've been with, with Kyle Larson instead of what's his name that's with Kyle Larson. The Hendrick has resources. That's just the way it is. So the fact that Greg Ives is going to retire, all right, God bless him. All right, he's going to get off the road. Okay. We already brought up the nine car because there's going to be a whole, I think the nine, that nine car, what we see next year, it's going to be a totally new team. Uh, they have the 88, the 17 program. That's a Hendrick program. There's going to be some conglomeration of people. And I think uh, Mendering, Kevin Mendering might end up being the crew chief on the nine car next year with whoever it is, whether it's Carson Hosevar, whether it's insert name here, but that car is going to be there. 
Um, but they're going to put a little, they're going to put more emphasis on Mayer, on Allgaier, and on Josh Berry for next year in the Xfinity Championship. And that nine car is going to essentially become a um, R&D situation. Even though that's a car that seed people win championships, uh, multiple drivers uh, win championships, being Clyde, being Reddick, Byron, until we have the current guy that's in there, Cocaine Gregson, and he hasn't won yet, but he might have a chance. So we will see what comes of all of that. Um, you know, I, I'm I'm glad as an old school guy, Craftsman Truck Series is back. It's great. Um, I'll sign for that all day because I I look at it as a Craftsman Truck Series. Um, now that you know Sears is basically going down the toilet as a guy who used to work for Sears um, as a mechanic, um, they were going down the toilet uh, 17 years ago when I first started with them and now they're going down a toilet and I work with people at Lowe's and they have Craftsman tools there and having Craftsman truck series, I guess their parent company wants them out there. So they have the good money there. It's good. It's good business. It's a good way to do things. Craftsman truck series, the right way to go. That's, I always like Joe, you brought up when you were going to Sears. I remember when they originally, came out in 1995 and it was the NASCAR super truck series presented by craftsman. And they had, you'd go to Sears and they had the die cast there. And I have, I bought die casts and I still have them here. I brought them. I took them out of the box mistakenly, but I had the, um, I had trucks from back in the day. I, I took medical tape, and I put the medical tape over the nose like I was like we're qualifying them. Uh, I, I try to dress them up properly. Uh, that's that's my young uh, my young buck self back in the early days of the truck series when I was a young young boy. And now we're 27 years into the truck series because it was a 95. So five and 22 or 27 years. Yeah. 27 years in a truck series and, um, still with it, it's been rendered into a ride buyer's paradise, but I'll always be a fan of the truck series, no matter what. Um, even though they've fucked it up. Um, okay. So yeah, we've went over everything in Daytona and all the news. Um, yeah. Zane Smith being kept at before we get into Darlington, Zane Smith getting that contract renewal and being kept at Front Row Motorsports speaks a lot to what Bob Jenkins and what they want to do. They have Todd Gilliland. He's part of their future for multiple reasons. He's part of their future. But Zane Smith, he was a NASCAR next guy. He was part of Junior Motorsports. He was part of Chevy, their whole program, GMS. But they let him go because their truck program wasn't their main thing. They made their they were committed to the cup side and they got Grant Enfinger. So they were like, okay, we're not committed to the truck side, which is which is proof positive based on what their results are on the truck series. Now that they don't have anybody in the cup playoffs, Eric Jones, of course, getting wrecked. Maybe we'll see Grant Enfinger have some ex- extra support too. But in regards to 
um, Zane Smith, he's legitimate. And Ford wants him to be a guy that can make it. And the fact that they've committed to him and he's going to make his um, Daytona 500 debut more than likely uh, in February. And they're going to have a multi-program a la Ryan Newman uh, going back about 20 years. It speaks to where they're committed to. And it also speaks to if Ford was like, hey, we want him and we'll go and do whatever. That's that's a big deal. I mean, who knows? Maybe Zane Smith goes and wins this truck championship. The fact is he's been one of the best drivers, if not the best driver in the truck series. He's had a rough patch right now, but it makes sense. He has a rough patch right now in the round of eight. He could even have a rough patch theoretically in around a six he has enough points to give him the leverage to have that because more than likely he's going to make the final four but i mean getting into the whole playoff thing we talk about i think he should be um favored anyway and he's finished second in this points battle twice in this format um if he doesn't win this championship it'd be crazy but you know he's in a position to do it Ford wants him to make something happen. He's a guy that can make something happen, and he's somebody they want. And the fact that Front Row got ahead of it because he is a free agent, I'm sure they got ahead of it because they know that Junior was going to call him. Kelly, Dale Jr., freaking Mike, whatever that loser, they were all going to call him. They're going to be like, hey, you want to drive a car that three drivers that have won the championship have won? If they if he had if they had lost him to Chevy, the thirty eight truck team's gone. That's that's essentially what it is because they're connected to the Todd Gillen program. That's part of where that whole connection is with my Kyle Busch theory. We're trying to get to to Stuart Haas to make Ford more relevant within the truck series and Xfinity. They've hedged, and so. Um, We'll see what happens with Zane Smith. I think um, there's a lot of potential there on the Ford side, uh, considering there are not a lot of Ford trucks or Ford Mustangs in the Xfinity series. So um, let's transition into the Xfinity race uh, this weekend. The Sport Clips, Haircuts, VFW, Help a Hero 200. Oh, my goodness. That is quite... A uh, horrible name for a race. Not because it's a of nothing. mouthful. Yeah, that's why. Um, it's not a good one to go and say just for the sake of saying it, unless you're paid way more money than I am, which is nothing. Um, if they paid me with beer, I might have said it better with more energy. Um, former guest on the show, Dawson Cram. Uh, is going to make an attempt with Emerling Gase racing with a new sponsor with B Water. Uh, so he'll be able to make the show. So um, credit to him, credit to his family. Um, they're great people there. So uh, support the 35 car. They'll be going and uh, running the show there. Uh, yeah, I mean, we have uh, Ty Dillon will be in the 0-2 car. Tommy Joe Martins in the five for BJ McLeod, Chad Fincham in the 13, Larson in the Hendrick 17, Hamlin in the 18 is one Xfinity start uh, for the year. All right, so I'm just going to go say it. I'm picking Denny Hamlin. Um, 
John Hunter in the 26, Dawson Cram 35, Josh Williams for, um, uh, what do you call, Mario Goslin in 36. He'll be uh, running. Ryan Ellis in the Jeff Gordon throwback. Stephen Parsons in the 45. Ross Chastain in the uh, 48. Uh, Chris Wright in the 68. And Brandon Brown in the 78 for BJ McLeod. So um, I already made my pick. I picked Jay Hamlin. Uh, my wild card is my wild card is Sheldon Creed, who has shown over time he's done good at Darlington. He is a guy that can run on rough and loose surfaces because he's an off-roader. Um, Denny Hamlin's a Darlington specialist. I go back 18 years ago when he made his Xfinity Bush Series debut. Nobody knew who the fuck he was, and he, quali- he qualified and finished in the top 10. Denny Hamlin, and um, that's what kind of opened eyes to a lot of people, and now we know what he is. Um, He runs this race every year and always seems to figure out a way to run up front, and um, Sheldon Creed's a guy that needs a win, and if he made the playoffs, he'd be real, he'd be trouble, because we talked about Austin Hill, you guys talked about Austin Hill. RCR is good. They're not as good as they've been in their heyday, but they're good. And Sheldon Creed needs that time to figure out a car, figure out a series. He did it in ARCA and became an alien, won an ARCA championship. He did it in trucks. He figured it out. He put himself in a position. He won a truck series championship. He's that good. People consider him a sort of ride buyer. He's not a ride buyer. He's like Robbie Gordon 2.0. He is raw. He is really, really good. It's not my my obvious fandom talking. The guy is that good. Richard Childress wouldn't have gotten him if he didn't have that talent. Whalen Engineering, who is a great big sponsor from the Northeast, wouldn't have put their money up if they didn't think this guy could drive. So Larson to win, or not Larson, I'm, I'm Hamlin to win, uh, uh, what do you call um, Sheldon Creed as my wild card. Uh, Josh, who are your picks? for this weekend in the Xfinity series at Darlington. I mean, you said it right there. Uh, then you, you leaked it out. You're reading me, I guess. Yeah, I'm pick uh, Young Money, Kyle Larson, in the number 17 HendrickCars.com Chevy to go out and win the Xfinity race. Um, he's been good at Darlington in the past. Of course, last year in the Cup, um, should have uh, should have won uh in the spring and in the fall i think uh and he's been successful in terms of uh top tens and laps led this is a kyle larson type of track uh so yeah i think he can pulled out here in xfinity um and uh you know win win this race uh i think for a wild card uh i'm gonna go with uh brandon jones uh which may be more of a safe bet as far as a wild card, but he hasn't really done too much this year. Um, yeah, he's won a race this year at Martinsville. He's won at Darlington in the past, but you know he's hadn't really been too too much up front compared uh, to previous years in in this series. So you know I'm gonna go with uh, Brandon Jones as my wild card uh, here in the Xfinity series this weekend. How about you, Joe? So we picked both the cup guys uh, here. Um, you guys probably. suck because you took all four of my picks. 
<laughs> All four no. of my picks, man. Got you understand you can just pick junior motorsports. No, actually, I'm not because there's one other cup guy in this race. He's driving the 48 this weekend, big machine. Uh, I'm going with Ross Chastain as my favorite. Um, Chastain did really well earlier this year. He had some problems, but he was leading the race in the cup side. Um, did a few a few years ago was driving the 42 for Ganassi before uh, the whole DC Solar thing fell out. Was involved in a wreck with Kevin Harvick. Yep. We, we see now that his aggression is a trend. Um, but I he's got the right approach when it comes to this style of racetrack. I mentioned a few weeks ago when I picked him uh, for Michigan. There's something about the sliding and the car being right on the edge of control that really suits his style. I think it's the same thing that makes Kyle Larson successful. So I'm going to pick him, and I'm going to go really wild on this pick uh, for the wild card. I'm going to go with Sammy Smith. Sammy Smith really impressed me a few weeks ago, and I feel like I feel like it's too obvious to go with one of the JRM cars. I really don't. I, they, they've run too well at Darlington in the past. For me to say, I think they're a wild card. It wouldn't be appropriate um, because they'll, they'll be up there. But I like Sammy Smith. I liked watching him at Watkins Glen. was really good. Uh, won a stage at Daytona, right? And uh, was doing pretty okay for himself. I'm very impressed with this uh, young man. I say young man. I'm like three years older than him. Um, but he he's done. Yeah, it's hard to say that, right? You I know. You think what? that it's hard when you're in your 20s. Oh, man. You guys figure... That it's hard when you're in your 20s. Once you get older, it's like, oh, he's a young man. It's like, God damn it. I'm rooting for a guy that's like half my age. That You're going to get there. It's going to happen. But we but, don't know those guys yet. You guys don't know those guys yet. But, yeah, it's really hard. But, yeah, th- I'll, I'll go with those two for my picks. And if, if somebody out of number five and six for me can do it, then, heck, I'll take it. I mean, the fact is the Gibbs guys, the Gibbs crew, they have good cars there. Mm. Uh, I mean, you you ended up picking. I don't know why I pulled that over there. You ended up picking Chastain, which the forty eight car. What lost? What? Did we lose Phil? I think we lost it, Phil. Everything is acting up. This is <laughs> <laughs> from pre show to now. All all the fun gimmicks. I got mine out of the way before we got on air, though. So and I go. Oh, I Welcome back. Hang him up. Hang myself up out of my own show. That's great. Um. <laughs> <laughs> the the you had Sammy Smith, you picked Ross Chastain, um Tyler Reddick won earlier this year at Texas, I believe, in the Xfinity series. That car is a good car. It's um RCR supported. Um the big machine records team, uh, Scott Borchetta, who supports um Trans Am and classic uh racing there, uh classic old Trans Am and old GT cars. Um, that's where Borchetta is all around uh, Big Machine Records and Spike Seltzer, whatever the hell their deal is. So now we get into the uh, Cookout Southern 500. 36 cars for 36 spots. The um, not the people that are not, uh, I guess, competing for points or other other people. It's like JJ Alien, the 15. Hemrick will be back for his last race this year. Uh, In that car, the 16 car for colleague, Ty Gibbs in the 45. And then Landon Castle 
coming off of his first career top five finish in the Cup Series. Um, so those are the uh, non-drivers. B.J. McLeod doesn't run for points in the Cup Series, even though it's his team. It's, I guess, in part par for the course. So 36 for 36, no problem with qualifying. Everybody makes it. Um, I'm going to go, and Joe, I'm going to let you pick first. Uh, yeah, Cookout thanks. Southern 500. Uh, Joe, Josh, and myself will be the order here. Um, Southern 500, one of the biggest races in the Cup Series, one of the most meaningful races. Uh, it'll be Labor Day weekend, Sunday evening. So there'll be a lot of grip, but at Darlington, it's a race that gets spread out. It's really a track position race. If you qualify well, you're going to probably be up front anyway. You're not going to really lose a lot of track position unless your car is just strictly a one-lap car. Uh, if you have a fast race car, that car is good on one lap, five lap, 10, 20, et cetera, et cetera. And the Southern 500 is one of the hardest races to win. But if you have the pace early, if you have short run speed, you're going to have long run speed. Um, you can have long run speed at Darlington, but you need to be within a reasonable distance to make that long run speed happen. So with all of that, uh, Joe, uh, let us hear your picks for this. All right. So I was actually a after, uh, you know, when you, when you said that, you know, you, you wanted me on the show this week, I immediately began thinking about Darlington because it was one of the races I didn't get to catch a lot of uh, earlier this year. And, you know, I think Darlington, we talk about Kyle Larson, we talk about, you know, I just mentioned Ross Chastain, Denny Hamlin, uh, all, you know, relatively good track record there. Um, Hamlin didn't run too well in the the spring race, if I remember correctly, or at least not for a long time. Logano obviously won that race. Chastain had some issues, but was leading. Uh, Larson, and I think of just normally, like this race last year, there was a very high attrition rate for the playoff cars. Uh, the race set, Kyle Busch, I believe, famously parked his car out front. Of, or no, that was earlier this year. But eh, regardless, you know, there's another driver who does really well when it comes to the really slick racing surfaces, when it comes to the, you know, I believe the balance of, maybe not on restrictor play tracks, but the balance of aggression and patience. He's gotten a lot better with that this year. And uh, he's got two wins in the bag. He finished second in this race earlier this year. I'm picking Tyler Reddick. Uh, you know, I also tried to take into account some of the drivers who were kind of on the upswing and some of the drivers who were maybe not. Chastain has slid a few point, a few spots in the points over the past few weeks. Elliott, uh, he's been around, but he just is struggling a, just a little compared to where he was at. And even though he ran well, not all quite the same. Harvick also ran really well in the spring, but... I just, I don't know. I'm a little, I feel a little mixed about where that four team is at. I feel a little more comfortable picking the eight car. Uh, I like Reddick. It would certainly be probably the biggest win of his career to date, uh, whether you talk about Xfinity or, or, or whatnot, um, you know. So I, I look for Tyler Reddick. I think he's going to be really good here. And I'm going to do a sweep for my wild card. Uh, again, I kind of want to go a little bit wild. And I want to go pick Austin Dillon. This actually has nothing to do with the fact that he just won at Daytona because Daytona and Darlington are way two way different tracks. There absolutely is some momentum that can be carried, 
But, um, you know, Dylan a few years ago finished second in this race to Kevin Harvick and was gaining on Harvick at the end of the race. It took them all night for the car to get there, but they got there and they, you know, I don't know if that race had run another five laps. I don't think Harvick would have won. So, you know, uh, we've seen it before where Dylan performs well at Darlington where, you know, he comes in and he just stays silent and he keeps chipping away and he gets it done. I think having that win and a little bit of momentum may help. Uh, I don't necessarily know that having a TV show is going to help him, but uh, so I'm going to pick those two. The RCR cars is my favorite for Reddick and my wild card for Austin Dillon. So with that, I mean, I posted that uh, Reddick and Dillon RCR uh, being represented by Joe trying to go and uh, manifest a PR job there because they need help at the PR side with RCR as somebody who's trying to get in the game or keep himself in the game. Um, what are you looking at, Josh? I mean, it's not an algorithm race by any stretch of imagination, but um, what are you looking at for Darlington? I have to go and pick, I have to go and check back with what uh, we picked at uh, in the Xfinity. You it was oh Richard. Okay, all right. So the algorithm was. Um, Oh, Richard, which isn't that far off. Well, well last week. Or Ryan Vargas. Oh, Ryan Vargas. You had Ryan Vargas, which isn't. So you had Ryan Vargas and um, Noah. Noah, which Noah. And you had. So that means two guys in the top 10. Um, we don't want to bring out the algorithm <laughs> every week because it's not going to hit. But uh, you hit. You usually hit on good ones. I, I figure if the percentages hit out, we are good on the top tens and top fives. But um, we might have to bring it out for the uh, road course in a few weeks' time before. I mean, Talladega and the road course are like back to back, so that'll be something. But what are you looking at for this weekend at Darlington and the Cookouts on the five hundred? Well. I mean, there's a lot of a lot of good drivers here, and Darlington's like one of those tracks that, yeah, um, anything can happen. You really have to uh, nail the setup just to you know be able to run well, and you know you got to be out in clean air. And it's definitely a a, a driver's track. Um, uh, I'm a, I'm gonna go with uh, go with Joey Logano to do the Darlington sweep. Uh, for the year, uh, ran pretty well there in the spring, led the most, the, the most laps there in the spring. You know, I think he, you know, he's a driver that, you know, could surprise people. And, uh, it's been quietly getting top tens the last, you know, four races, uh, uh, last six weeks. And, you know, he's quietly coming back up there. You know, Ford has not been the best on speed this year, but, I feel like, you know, some of that can be mitigated, uh, especially on, you know, tire light or a track like Darlington that's very tough on tires. And, you know, Joey Logano is one of those guys that um, I think he knows how to get around uh, when it comes to um, being able to, you know, conserve tires and, um, you know, make your car last throughout the run. So I'll go with uh, Joey Logano. Darlington sweep for the year wins the Southern 500, uh, you know, after winning the Goodyear 400 in the spring. Um, and then wild card, uh, it's going to be interesting, but, uh, I want to go with, uh, Eric Jones, uh, you know, someone that's not in the playoffs currently right now, but, uh, Eric Jones has been good on speed, 
throughout you know the whole year for the most part they you know just haven't had had the luck so I'm gonna go with uh, Eric Jones uh, former winner of this race yeah he's a former winner too that's correct yes uh, forgot about that but yes uh, former winner I think Eric Jones can go out there and you know surprise some people um, run I'll say at least uh, top 15. Um, certainly I think at one of the stages you'll probably see 43 up there in the top 10. So not a surprise, um, if he's hanging around there, uh, at the end. And especially, you know, if we get a, you know, long green flag run or something like that, or fuel strategy comes to play, I think, um, you know, he's one of those guys that could surprise people. Yeah. He's, he's a really good driver. And at the end of the day, petty GMS has somebody who's a foundation piece. If they can go and get the sponsorship uh solidified they have a guy that can go and and do work um in eric jones that jones boy from byron michigan as the great ken squire said about him uh i'm curious as what the announcing will be i figure it'll be all three it'll be all three drivers it'll be jarrett jr and um burton in the second Uh, stage is it going to be a throwback race? Yeah, no throwback. throwback race. I think Ellis in Xfinity is electing to do a throwback. Um, yeah. Harvick actually today he announced he's going to run not a throwback in a sense, um, but like some some type of Bush tribute car to some something from the the late nineties. I I would have to go back to look at it. I, I sent it to a friend. Um, but you know I, I feel like teams have done this before where they do like a throwback or a half throwback for this race now. Um, but it, no, no throwback this weekend. I don't think they're doing anything with the booth. All right, well, that was that's Fox a shame. With Richard. Well, Petty. no, they did. Well, no, they did it for NBC as well. I mean, no, I know, but on that, they did in the past. Yeah, for NBC on the broadcast. But since I don't think this race is a designated throwback race, um, I don't know. I we'd have to go back to last year's show and look at it. Uh, and see, but uh, I mean, I don't think I've heard anything. I'd hope so, but even if, even if if it doesn't, it's it's something that they probably should do because it's something that the fans are into in general. Um, this fan in particular, um, for me, um, in regards to a winner uh, for this race the southern 500 i mean it's we've had the picks we have today we have now reddick and we have joey logano i mean logano's the second best in the last 10 races reddick ninth best in the last 10 races eric jones of course uh, was picked as well uh by josh uh so two guys in the top 10 yes yeah, slowly yeah that's right yeah uh <laughs> Um, because, uh, Will Byron wanted to go and kill him, even though he wouldn't know what to do with a gun if somebody handed him one. He's a freaking idiot. Um, uh, was it, you have, uh, Pizza Face, or was it Austin Dillon was six, six in the last 10 races at, um, at Darlington. So a bunch of guys there that have the potential to do it. Um, but I'm going to pick Kevin Harvick. Kevin Harvick has the momentum. Uh, it's one of his best racetracks. 
Uh, he's done the work to go and get himself in the spot. He's also given himself the ability in the Cup Series to go uh, points-wise. Uh, right now, Harvick is in ninth, which, considering from 5th to 16th, is only separated by 9 points. Harvick going and winning this race would be a way to go and flip the points. And it's one of his best racetracks, uh, thanks to Racing Reference, to go and give me those statistics to work off of. He's had five or eight top fives and ten top tens in the last ten races at Darlington. Uh, you know, talking about Phoenix when Chase Briscoe won, he broke or, or tied a record with Earnhardt and Mr. The King for most top tens consecutively at a, the same racetrack. I'm going to pick Kevin Harvick. And wild card wise, Eric Jones, Austin Dillon, they're outside of the top 10. Um, that's a hard one. Uh, <sighs> that is a hard one. Do I go? Do I go a homer pick? Do I make that homer pick, or do I go this way? Do I go? I'm gonna go Alex Bowman. I can't go full homer. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Alex Bowman. So Phil makes uh, all of uh, to win, and Bowman after I shit on him for the Southern 500. Um, in an ode to Greg Ives, who he went and did a throwback for earlier this year or last year or whatever the hell he did the throwback to. Um, Bowman needs a win because he's going to need help to get out of this round of 12 because that team has not been good enough to be in contention. You really get it. Once you get into the round of eight, that's where you're talking about things, which my format would be the format that you could go and really figure out where the round of eight. Um, you eliminate two drivers in the round of 12, and then you eliminate another two drivers in the round of to get yourself down to, or, or you eliminate, I, I don't know what the math would be. It's like it's 12 drivers, you're nine, you're, you eliminate three, get to, you have nine drivers left, you eliminate to six, and then six to four. I think that's how you do it, but you would have the drivers that can make it there, um, and that would go and fix everything in that spot. So that is it for the preview or review of everything that happened NASCAR-wise here. We got to hear about uh, Joe's and R's uh, playoff bracket, though. Okay. Joe talked about Go that. ahead. Go ahead and... He told, um, Joe told us earlier he had Kyle like, Busch not making it. I so think I, I, I hear the rest. I'm, I might piss off too many people with my bracket. Quite honestly, I don't. Well, know nobody listens to this well, you, show, so you, you can, can go and say whatever. You can, the fuck you can tell say. us who you think's gonna be eliminated. All right, so let, let, let's do this because I, I do have it on my phone, and actually, I've thought about it uh, since I made it last night, and I do have one slight adjustment that will end up being the champion. Uh, so my round of twelve. The, I guess it's easier probably to list the drivers who I have eliminated. Um, Austin Dillon came in. He's been the back of all the playoff drivers and points all year, pretty much. I mean, I mean, I, I just have no argument for him to go to the round of twelve. None. Uh, Alex Bowman won earlier this year at Las Vegas. He had a really stellar playoffs. 
2020, meh playoffs in 2021. It was highlighted with the win at Martinsville, but the way that this year has gone for that team, I, I, again, I just don't really see the performance there over the course of the past five, six, seven, eight weeks, um, which is super concerning. So I have them out the second, uh, the first round. Uh, who are the other two drivers? Uh, Briscoe. Oh yeah, Briscoe was one of them. Yeah, th- thank you. You read my mind. Briscoe, he, he's just, you know, he had a really hot start to the year after they made it like three, four weeks past that uh, Phoenix win. It's just been a downhill slide. And really for the past few uh, weeks, really the past like month or month and a half, he's been towards the back ha- uh, back quarter of the playoff drivers. And I think the one that would probably make people upset that I'm going to say is going to get eliminated at the end of round one is going to be William Byron. He has, I, he was the first two wins this season. Uh, he's been horrible since they won at Martinsville. I mean, I think he's got one top 10 since uh, they ran Martinsville or something. Uh, I, I just don't see it happening for him. It's not his year. I, they started really hot. They have fallen off a cliff and I don't see any signs of resurgence from that team. So we get to the round of 12 uh, and we're downing to the round of eight. So uh, I have Suarez getting eliminated as well as Sindrick. I think at that point, those two will probably be on some form of borrowed time uh, by the end of that round. Now, I could absolutely see either one of them upsetting my bracket by winning at the Roval. Uh, Sindrick could do it at Talladega or the Roval. He's been really good at the restrictor play tracks or the super speedways now, no plates. But, um, you know, for, for all intensive purposes, I would find it hard for them unless they won to... Uh, to really make a statement unless somebody else had some massive issues. Uh, the others I have getting eliminated, and, and this one was actually a little hard for me to do. I have Bell getting eliminated. He's been really hot, especially in this last half of the summer, but the Toyotas just at the road courses this year haven't been there, and I, I don't really peg him as a, a plate racer. So I've, to me, if he doesn't win at Texas, it, it's kind of over for him. Uh, and then the final driver I had was Kyle Busch. I, I'd... I just, I think the contracts are going to get to him. I, you know, he's crashed a lot of cars lately. He has not been himself both off the track and behind the wheel. I was actually glad, you know, I was a junior fan and he once annoyed me after he wrecked junior. He terrorized me when I was eight years old, man. Come on. Why do you do that? I'm sure you're the same way, Josh. Um, yeah, I mean, but, you know, I, I have the utmost respect for this guy. I, I just, the way that, that this year has evolved for him it really hasn't evolved. It's been very stagnant. He, he lucked into a win at Bristol. It's just, I, I don't think this is the year for him. Now, I'm actually going to make two adjustments here. And a lot of this is based off of more recent weeks, I guess. I do believe that regular season champion Chase Elliott's going to advance to the final four. I also believe, despite the fact that he's run nearly in the back half of the top 10 the entire season in points, his recent resurgence and his very stellar performances over the past few weeks, despite being rather quiet, uh, have convinced me that he is a championship contender because this is exactly how we won the 2018 championship. I think Joey Logano is going to make the final four and be in Phoenix. Now, originally, I had Ross Chastain here in my third slot, and I'm going to replace him with Tyler Reddick. I have a lot of faith Ooh. that Tyler. I, I have a lot of faith <laughs> that Tyler Reddick has the potential to to really turn some heads. He is fast. That's He's spicy. been fast now for, for about a month. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see Chastain. I would be a little more surprised to see Reddick, but a, as weird as it sounds, I also have more faith that 
Reddick is going to continue to move the right direction. He's on the upward. Chastain's a little on the downward. And then I have my fourth driver as all reliable. He's always choking the final four, Denny Hamlin. Um, and, and this was actually the change I was referring to um, at the start of this. Originally, I had Chase Elliott as my champion. I thought, you know, the 40 points were going to carry him. He ran really well at Phoenix earlier this year. Unfortunately, it's been proven that running well in the spring race at Phoenix and running well in the fall race at Phoenix have absolutely no correlation since they moved the championship. Um, I'm going to pick Logano. The flat tracks have been a real strength of Team Penske this year, particularly for Logano. Um, he's always run pretty well at the flat tracks, and I think Ford is finally starting to hit on something. And Brad um, almost and, won the championship last year, and Logano mm-hmm. finished. So I'm um, that. There's my my playoff grid is Logano is the 2022 champion, and now he would hedge to go and be the guy that's going to be there for the rest of eternity at Penske, and he'd be a two-time Cup Series champion. Something that Brad couldn't do for Mister Penske. So you'll have pizza face. Uh, on in when you go and do your do your uh, tours of Penske racing, you're gonna have like Joseph Newgarden, you're gonna have Rick Mears and all the other great legends. You have Emerson Fittipaldi. Well, he didn't win a championship, and Joseph Logano. You'll have Pizza Face Joey Logano. Um, but all right, Josh, I want to hear Josh's grid because I, yeah, I saw the reaction. I, I know I, I made some bold picks this year. I don't normally. Do I don't that. have. I don't have a grid, and I don't really have any real investment in it. But I'm glad you guys do because there's a side project that you guys can go do because you guys are NASCAR fans like that. I'm not as big of a NASCAR fan anymore. So, um, Josh, go and uh, let us know what your grid looks like. Uh, I mean, it's all in my head. I have not written any of this down, and I'm kind of going going by the. Uh, you know, going by how it is right now, but, um, yeah, I, I've got, I've got Alex Bowman, Austin Sindrick, uh, William Byron and Chase Briscoe all being eliminated in round one. So I think that, and you have Austin, Austin Dillon, Dillon going around two. Yeah. I think Austin oh, right. Dillon goes to round two by a thread. It's going to be one of those. He gets in by a, a one point or something and he makes it, makes it in as i i feel like let's say we got uh darlington bristol um what's the other track that we have in the first round kansas kansas um those tracks are i'm gonna say that uh those are good tracks for austin dylan dylan's run great at kansas over that's his career. yeah, for yeah. His mediocrity he's good there and i mean he's somewhat good at bristol and Darlington might be a toss-up, but you know he ran top ten there in the spring, uh, so we'll go with that. Uh, round round of twelve, uh, who gets eliminated there to cut off the round of eight? Um, Chris Bell, I think uh, he gets eliminated there. I'm gonna agree with Kyle Busch getting eliminated after round of twelve. Um, Ryan Blaney gets eliminated round of twelve, and um, Daniel Suarez gets uh, eliminated in the round of twelve. So you're saying that Austin Dillon's going all the way to the round of eight? Oh no, I'm no, no, no. I'm I'm getting no, I'm getting replace confused Blaney with myself. Dillon. Yeah, I'm gonna replace yeah, I will amend that replace Blaney with Dillon. Okay. Yeah. yeah I was counting counting that wrong uh there. <laughs> but no. Um so then the round of eight, then you know, of course the round of eight cutting off to the round of twelve, Ryan Blaney out. Um 
Kyle Larson, I don't think he's going to make it back to the final four. Um, I agree. I don't think he's shown quite enough. And I think Elliot has the edge there. And I, I like the Tyler Reddick pick, but I can't agree with it because, um, I don't know if they RCR quite has the, uh, firepower, I guess, in terms of speed to make it all the way, uh, to the final four. Uh, and I've got Danny Hamlin hooking Ross Chastain in the right rear, uh, at Martinsville to, uh, you know, get eliminated because I don't think Danny Hamlin's quite paid back Ross Chastain. And he said he was going to do it when it counts the most. And that's absolutely where it counts the most hooking him in the right rear, uh, on the, um, he disqualifies car. himself because they're going to penalize him too. Well, that's NASCAR protocol. Nah, they won't. They yeah, won't I don't think they'll him. do that. I don't. I, I okay, think, I don't think, I'm not going to say hooking in the right rear. Let's let's. That's very extreme. And I, wall, I, would, yeah. I would laugh at that if that did actually happen. But I'm going to say that he takes him out. Let's just say you the know, way that um, Chase yeah. Elliott took uh, Denny Hamlin out of Phoenix. Can't back do that about, anymore. We don't have tailpipes to cut tires down. Well, bumps him out of the way or something like that, you know, spins him out, whatever. So something, something like that. So then the final four, uh, Chase Elliott, uh, Logano, uh, Harvick and Denny Hamlin. And, uh, I'm going to go, I'm going to go with Chase Elliott going for his second title because, um, I think, um, he's overall figured it out, um, Oh, this car over everybody and somehow has been the most consistent. Uh, so, you know, I think he, I think he's still got an edge over everybody at the end of the day. Yeah. I, I like that um, pick. I, Oh, sorry, Phil. I, I like that pick. I think Hendrick has kind of fallen off as a whole. I, they had the good run at Watkins Glen, but they're always good there. They need to kind of pick it up at like the mile and a half and meet the Toyotas. And, and then I agree with you. He probably does take it over Logano. I figure with the way the layout is of the 10 races here, um, you have road courses, you have super speedways, One, you have a good balance. Clyde can do what he has to do because, frankly, the thing with all these resets, no matter what series it is, they have them in NASCAR, they have it in... Um, what is it? I forget what other series. Like in NHRA, they have that. At the end of the day, if you're good through the majority of the season, you're going to be able to continue to do that into the final 10. And before we got to this format, it played towards those people that are able to go and accumulate points over the regular season and then just do work and position yourself in a play to go and get those wins. The fact is Clyde is the one guy at Hendrick. I mean, frankly, Larson did it last year, but... He's got that Johnson. He's not Johnson in regards to his personality or his driving ability or whatever, but he's got that Johnson thing where when the time counts, he's going to do the work. And Hendrick wants that title, and Chase is so pissed off because he's getting run over by his teammate. He wants to go and make it happen. This championship is all about Chase Elliott. I feel like this is all about Chase Elliott. If he gets a second championship, does something his dad wasn't even able to do, I mean, to go and separate himself from his father, who's a legend, that would be huge. Um, that's what's on, on top of his head. 
that's what Hendrix sitting there thinking about the merch and all the things. Cause their fact is Hendrix about merch selling more than they are about racing. That's been the thing for a few years. Um, the amount of championships they've won ever since Jimmy Johnson stopped winning championships in 2010, he won two, but they've won three championships in the last, what is it? 12 years or 11 years. That's not in the same percentage from what they did from 1995 through 2010. Um, They want Clyde to win it, or they want Larson to win it. More than likely, that's the only two guys that can go and win that championship amongst their team. I think the one person that would be a wild card would be Kevin Harvick, because he's motivated. He's on a heater. He was in a position to win Daytona. And he hasn't really been in a position to win at Daytona in a long time. Um, so the fact that he was there, credit to him and that organization, making a good car. Briscoe was up there. Um, you know, Harvick is motivated. He's going to be around at least two years. I figure his career is going to mirror anything that Eric Almirola does. So the fact is, there's at least two more years for those two guys. I figure Chase Briscoe, he's not going to be moved. Um, Tony is not going to take the heat for firing a guy that is one of his fans, somebody who looked up to him. He's not going to do it. But then also Mahindra, who has uh, involvement now here in the United States, but in Formula E, with Formula E power units and a whole bit, they got plenty of money. So I think three of the four cars at Stuart Haas Racing are set. Kevin Harvick's the wild card. If him and and Rodney Childers can go and find pace here over these first two rounds. He has the ability to go and close the deal at one of his best racetracks. If he can get into the final four, it's a problem. Two years ago, he won nine races, was trying to wreck himself, wreck Kyle Busch to get himself into the final four. If he had gotten in the final four, it would have been a totally different thing than what Chase Elliott ended up having where he dominated that race. Kevin Harvick wants that second championship to go and basically anoint himself into the Hall of Fame. Uh, I think that's the only thing that stops Chase Elliott from winning this championship. But there's 10 races to go. Crazy things can happen. Talladega can happen. Kevin Harvick has wrecked him, wrecked people to go and get himself into a position to win a championship and still lose it. Um, there, this Cup Series championship is going to be interesting, but when you look at the fact we have 16 drivers, it's really more condensed to about six or eight drivers that can really win this championship. That's something we'll go and look at here over the upcoming weeks. Um, with that, we will end this episode of the Gripster Podcast. Uh, Joe, let us know where we can go and find you on the socials and where we can find your work. So uh, you can find my work. I'm actually I'm working on an article about uh, who's got to owe Ross Chastain something during these playoffs. That will be my next article on Beyond the Flag. Uh, hoping to have that published before we go racing at Darlington this weekend. Uh, so you can find me there at beyondtheflag.com. Uh, you can search my name, Joe Passero, uh, and you'll find some stuff. You might see that one uh, at the top uh, whenever it gets published. I'm sure that one will be popular. Um, and then you can find me on Twitter. That's where I do all my stage point updates. We've gotten to the point where I don't have to track 40 drivers anymore or however many drivers accumulate points. I'm down to just following 16, which it's like a weight off my shoulders. 
Uh, so you can follow me on Twitter at Passero Jr. P-A-S-S-E-R-O-J-R. Uh, I'll be on there. I'll be tweeting about the races. I will be away for a chunk of the uh, the round of 12. So I may not be as active during that time. I'm going to try and keep up with the uh, the points. And if all goes to plan, I will actually be at the Roval uh, to cut off the end of that round. Um, so that'll be really exciting. So if you see me out there, come over, say hi, and uh, let's talk some racing. And uh, yeah, thank you guys again for having me on. I always love coming on here. It's a ton of fun. And uh, hopefully... You know, maybe after the the season ends, you know, we could do a season wrap up and and talk about how crappy or how great our playoff picks were. <laughs> we didn't go and record them here on our picture channel, so they're not. They're, we'll go back and yeah, we'll mark them down well, after the fact. Jo- Josh can, can Josh, yeah, you guys can go and do that. I'm not going to remember it for sure. Um, Josh, um, I figure before we move on, we can get in your. Um, what do you call sim segment? And you can combine your sim segment to where we can go and follow you on the socials. Yeah, I mean, we'll make the sim segment because I didn't really do too much last week, but I did did do a little bit of Daytona racing on iRacing, uh, in the Cup Series and Xfinity Series, and um, yeah, it was pretty interesting. And I think the f- first couple of races I entered, I got taken out in the big one. Uh, at some point, you know, whether it was on the first, like, couple of laps or on the last lap. Uh, uh, and then, I, yeah, I think I ran, like, two or three races between Cup and Xfinity, like, um, in the middle of the week. And then, I think on Saturday night after I came back from Daytona, and I was kind of feeling like, yeah, I'll play iRacing and played uh, or ran iRacing at uh, Xfinity, Daytona, and Cup at also Daytona. And uh, I actually ran pretty well in those ones, the Xfinity uh, kind of just ran patiently and then found myself uh, on the top line in second or second car on the top line uh, trying to push for the win and almost pushed my guy to the win that was in front of me. Uh, but the other guys behind me didn't have as much momentum. I think some people got taken out, other things, and then bottom line had a little bit more mo- momentum uh, there. So didn't quite get that, but it was a good finish. And then uh, the cup. Uh, the cup side, uh, we actually ran the high line in iRacing, which is actually not normal for Daytona because normally the, um, when we get single file, we always run the bottom. But somebody actually had the presence of mind to try running the top, and everybody followed him. And the top line it actually ended up being the strong uh, the strong line in the Cup Series. So that was actually interesting because I've never seen that before. And, um, you yeah, know, it was a interesting setup there. And, you know, it was one of those deals where you had to really have a lot of draft on the on the bottom lane to be able to uh, make moves to try to get up front. And um, it's, uh, it was actually quite hard to do that. So, you know, it was maybe a little bit more resembling of real life than how, how it normally is because uh, they do run the top a lot when, you know, they're in single file green flag runs to, um, you know, log laps and, uh, you know, go through every everything without uh, racing too hard. So, yeah, that was pretty interesting. And, you know, of course, uh, you know, when I do stream, you can follow uh, UCLR2 on Twitch. You can go on there and hit the follow button or subscribe and uh, see my stuff and, uh, you know, see where I'm watching or, you know, what, what I'm racing and, um, you know, how I'm racing. Go in there and uh, see, what, you know, how I'm doing on there. And, um, of course, uh, 
you know, for this page, uh, for this show, you can go on our YouTube page, uh, at Gripshirt Podcast, and see our YouTube channel. You can see the moment last week, of course, when Phil uh, gagged when we picked Noah Gragson for the algorithm pick, and um, see his reaction on there. It was uh, pretty entertaining, and um, you know, hopefully, we get some. If we have to use the algorithm, we get some more picks like that. Uh, maybe not necessarily Phil not liking it, but you know, something that's just incredibly out there. You know, like last year when we it picked uh, Tate Fogelman, and then Tate Fogelman actually won. That was still pretty incredible. Uh, so you can see all of that uh, on our YouTube page, and you know, like our page, comment, subscribe, do all those good YouTube things to uh, interact and uh, you know follow our stuff. And of course, uh, you know, you can follow me at JP Huffine and you know see see what I'm doing, see all my commentary on the racing and uh, you know all sports and all my other interests, and uh, you know see you know what I have to say. Of course, you know, with the uh, uh, cup. You know, we talked about the cup race and, um, you know, talked about uh, the controversy from Sunday with, uh, you know, the rain and, and the crashing and all that. And, um, you know, see uh, all my good takes on there that I have. So you can go follow me on there uh, at JP Huffine on Twitter. And, um, yeah, that's, that's all I got. You know, so uh, thanks, for Joe, for coming on. And, you know, it's always good to have you on. So I'll leave it to you, Phil, to carry out the close uh, here on uh, this episode. Yeah, the memes. I was watching the uh, clip you posted on our uh, Twitter feed at Gripshirpod, and it made me laugh. Same way as um, old friends of mine when I lost my shit when Tony won his last race. It it's classic, um, and we posted it here. Um, yeah, it made me dry heave, and then I was rooting for it. So I can even root for somebody who I think is a deplorable. Uh, it's, it's a part of life you go and deal with, you have to go and deal through with all the stages of grief, but, um, it's, it's part of the fun that we have here on Gripshirt Podcast. Um, first of all, thanks Josh as always for being my sidekick and doing your thing. Thanks Joe being a great, uh, sidekick and friend, both of you guys. Um, we have a great time here doing the show when we are together. Uh, we go long. It's a show that is more meant towards just listening during your work day. Um, we get, we deep dive, we go and get into details. We're not meant for those people who just need that short snippet of um, information. We're more towards the thing that you listen to when you're, you're going and working. And that's, that's our niche. And uh, it's part of what makes the Grifter Podcast unique. Uh, we will be back with a episode 132 uh, shortly, but episode 131, we'll start working on editing and posting that here, which is the demolished equipment and opportunities um, episode. We'll talk about Formula One, the roundup. We'll preview IndyCar and F1. We'll talk about football. Uh, fantasy football and um, the like here in uh, the next episode. You can find me at Philip G. Matthew on Twitter, at Griffshapod on Twitter. We're anywhere where podcasts, you can download a podcast. Um, we're on YouTube at Griffshap Podcast. And um, yeah, so with that, for myself, for Josh, for Joe, thanks for listening. 
to the Grifter Podcast, episode 131. Uh, we will be back later this week for episode 132 to cover everything else, motorsports. And we will be back next week on Labor Day uh, for to cover everything that took place in motorsports. Southern 500, uh, Portland, IndyCar, uh, Dutch Grand Prix, which um, Max Verstappen will probably win. We'll cover all that and more on the Grifter Podcast. So thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting us, liking, subscribing, downloading the whole bit. And we'll be back again next week during Labor Day. Um, God bless to everybody. Go and have a good week. Go and have time, a good time. Have fun during the long weekend. Don't go too hard. And uh, we'll be around to go and recap everything that goes on in the world of motorsports and sports as we lead into a busy time for uh, us as uh, motorsports fans and sports fans, if you're a fan of, you know, football, baseball, and more. Take care. God bless. Good night.